And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. Hello. Miss Brittany Brombacher is here. And Miss Rihanna Manuel is also joining us. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show, ladies. This is going to be an interesting week. Now, normally... I say this is your source for news, but not this week because, as we've been teasing, this week is all about our Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast. And before we get into the nitty-gritty details of TLU 2, we do have a couple of quick announcements. First off, thank you to everybody who joined us live this week when we were hosting with our friends over at GameSpot. And special thank you and shout-out to Chastity and, of course, to Callie Plaguey for joining us on the show. We had a really interesting discussion about Game of the Year so far for 2020 and we will be uploading that as the episode for next Friday. If you missed Brittany's fantastic message and our notes on the podcast last week, we're taking a summer break. Oh, summer day. Everything shut down <laughs> and you can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the holiday is happening here in the United States, Independence Day, and we thought, you know what? This seems like a good time for us all to recharge our batteries and take a little time away from the show. But that doesn't mean you're going to be missing out on What's Good Games content. Of course, we've got the spoiler cast up, which you're listening to currently. And then next week, we have the Game of the Year so far discussion. We have an extra piece of content happening kind of in between those things. And then we will be back live on Sunday. Sunday, July 12th for a live watch along for Ubisoft Forward. And then we'll resume with What's Good Games Live on Monday, July 13th. Yeah. 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 Let's Lots of stuff happening. But what this means is that we won't be as responsive to any messages that you guys send us on social platforms, on Patreon, on Discord. So thank you for your patience. If anything comes up and you send us a message and you're like, yo, Brittany's normally on top of responding to my stuff or Andrea usually responds to my emails and we don't. It's because we're taking a break. Yeah. A yeah. Break. It's good to take a break. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, that's it for the announcements, really. I do want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atay, Mohammed, Mohammed, Marcus Brown, Punctified, and Malay Bittner. And Brittany, uh. we've got two new people that have joined our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games, Ricky Torres and Kevin Alvarez. Woo. Thank you so much to them. And I know that we've already messaged us on Patreon, but I just want to drive it home. You guys probably have noticed that now, since July 1st has come and gone, Patreon is now charging you taxes because the government is the worst <laughs> and they're charging taxes on specific tiers. If you have questions about this, if you have concerns about this, we, of course, would love to hear from you. We are, do our best to answer them. We do have some posts up that are explaining it that are directly from Patreon that go into detail about what these taxes and these laws are. But if you're still confused, we'll do our best to help you walk you through that. 
Now, Brittany. Yo. We do have some new podcast reviewers. <laughs> we do. We have some nice five-star reviews from St. Bale, JJess84, Rob.Hazes, and Starfang7. The ladies, this is an exciting week, for we have received another one-star review. One-star oh. review! And it comes from Death Before Dawn. Brittany is an alcoholic. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Constantly being obnoxious, doing some mocking voice when doing read-ups or write-ups and any little thing she tries to make sexual. Mm. Someone says something is hard. Oh, my God, do me, babe. It's like, <laughs> just be quiet. You're ruining the show. Oh, oh boy. Oh, wow. It's, wait. I, I love how they just came at you with the alcoholic. They're just like, <laughs> you're an alcoholic. I'm labeling you. Yeah. Swinging. You know, I guess I'm obnoxious and I make perverted jokes all the time and I drink. And I guess that's I feel like Kenny has missed the whole point of what's good game. So actually, you know, I think Kenny may have left us a five star review. This Kenny person. I think Death Before Dawn is the person who left the one star review. Yeah. So Ah. sorry, Kenny. I got you. I got you looped in. You're the best. But, you know. Kenny's like, what happened? Why are you picking on me? Ah. (laughs) But listen, here's the thing. And we got a couple of comments from last week's episode. I thought last week's episode was hilarious and fun. Obviously, went off the rails quite a few times. And sometimes that happens. Maybe I talk. We we, we talked about labia. I mispronounced some Pokemon names. A whole bunch of stuff (laughs) happened. Um, But it was a stressful week. And it's been a couple of stressful weeks. And sometimes, you know, we blow off steam on the show. And it's not the most smooth running. And we get up on tangents. And that's just part of us being human beings. We're humans. We're real people. Go figure. Imagine. I will say that majority of comments. I'm a cyborg. We're in agreement. They thought the show was hilarious. We did get a few naysayers. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you could please, because I am so hurt and so deeply offended by (laughs) Death Before Dawn's comment, if you could go to your favorite podcast provider and leave a five-star review, I would be forever grateful. Hmm. Thank you. We're here for it's you, like Brit. If you like clap, clap your hands and like the fairy doesn't die or whatever the hell it is. Well, yeah, you lost me, <laughs> right? I don't. It's so like it's a, a hook reference. Peter I get it. Pan thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, from Hook. Yeah, see, we got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm sorry, I'm not Reed. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you not seen Hook? You know she doesn't watch movies. No, there, I think I have seen Hook, but I, I wouldn't remember anything about it. It's, it comes in and out, in and out. Well, maybe Julia that's Roberts a watch plays along. Tinkerbell. Nope. Okay. Not, yeah, well, that's not seems gonna, like a watch long waiting yeah. to happen. I'll, I'll add, add it to the watch long list. list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's on the list. Yeah. Speaking I of did being introduce John to Josie and the Pussycats yesterday. And I was like, this movie is so good. Wait, you hadn't seen it before? No, no, John. I introduced John oh, to it. Oh, okay. I, I can sing that entire soundtrack frontwards <laughs> backwards. You know, so I, good. I live it. for Josie and the Pussycats. So huh. good. <laughs> Brittany, this is right up your alley. This is a perfect Brittany movie. Perfect. Oh, it is. Like it's qu- it's quintessential. Like early two thousands. Like it's, they they make fun of boy bands. There's like a fake boy band called called Dujour that's clearly like a oh knockoff of the Backstreet Boys. Okay. okay. And there's like a girl like punk group that's clearly trying to be Green Day, but the music's really good mm-hmm. and it has all of these like nineties or late nineties and early two thousands tropes in it. And it's it's, it's great. Funny. It's got Rosario Dawson and Rachel Lee Cook, yeah. and it's amazing. Say no more. Yeah. Add it to the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll like it. All right. But I think it's time for us to move the conversation along from fun times to serious times. No, just kidding. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. 
And this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Honey. I have talked about Honey quite a few times on this show, and I love Honey because I love shopping online. All of us are shopping more online these days because of the pandemic, and what's great about Honey is that it makes online shopping even better. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online, and it automatically finds you the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes shopping the best because you save money, and saving money is awesome. So here's how it works. Imagine you're shopping at one of your favorite sites, Target, Sephora, Macy's, Etsy, DoorDash, Walmart, et cetera, et cetera, right? When you go to checkout, a little box drops down and says, apply coupons. Just click the box. takes a few seconds for it to scan all of the promo codes for that site, and boom, the prices drop. I was recently shopping for more postcards for What's Good Games, one of our awesome Patreon reward tiers, and... Lo and behold, Honey's like, I've got coupons for you. So I clicked the apply coupons button and I saved $11.43. Just like that. Hey. Right? Super great. Now I have more money to buy Chipotle Steimer with. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Wait. Now I have more money to buy Steimer Chipotle with. There you go. go. (laughs) Yeah. See? I mean, listen, when Steimer says she wants queso, she wants queso. Queso. Costs extra. Yeah, it does. But now I have $11.43 that I can buy more queso with. Mm. Boom. Honey has found it's over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. And they're adding more every day. Users love Honey. And that's why it has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. It's an easy extension to install, and it's going to save you money every time you shop online. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use and installs in just seconds, like I said. Plus, it's now part of the PayPal family. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash what's good. That's joinhoney.com slash what's good. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash what's good. And just as a quick reminder, if you just Google Honey and you don't go to the What's Good Games link, then that doesn't help support everything we do here at What's Good Games. So just as a reminder, we really appreciate it every time you guys use our links that are in the show notes or, you know, you're on your phone and you type it in, joinhoney.com slash yeah. what's good. Use the link. Yeah. Just use it. Also bringing What's Good Games to you this week is Miro. Working remotely doesn't mean you need to feel disconnected from your team. With Miro, you can get work done together and collaborate wherever you are. Telecommuting, remote working, distributed teams, call whatever you want. But more and more, teams now work from home. Collaborate better and get work done faster with the help of Miro. If you're still using an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper to brainstorm or organize your work, guilty, uh, you need to expand your horizons. Miro lets you visualize everything that you're working on all in one place. It's an online whiteboard that brings teams together anytime, anywhere. Their infinite canvas is perfect for brainstorming, making mock-ups, organizing files, and managing complex projects. They even have templates to help you get started quickly. You can add your docs, spreadsheets, sticky notes, and other important information directly to Miro, so you always have a single real-time collaboration hub. And Miro can integrate with the programs that you already use, like Google Drive, Dropbox, Jira, Slack, and more. And you can even video chat with coworkers without ever leaving Miro. Saving one extra app from being open on your computer computer or your phone is always a nice thing. Over 5 million users worldwide trust Miro to help their teams work more efficiently. It's everything you need to start working better. Start collaborating for free when you sign up for an account at Miro.com slash what's good. That's M-I-R-O dot com slash what's good to sign up for your free account with unlimited team members today. Miro.com slash what's good. 
Ladies, <gasps> the time has come. <gasps> oh, here we go. So, Rihanna, yeah. I want to give another call out to the Inside Gaming episode you did with the Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast. Yeah. People can find that, of course, on Inside Gaming. And I intentionally didn't watch it. No, not to that's su- good. Not support you, but because I didn't want to pull parts of that conversation into our conversation. I wanted to come in fresh. No, that's good. And I've actually been abstaining as much as I can from seeing any spoiler content or reviews myself because I want to be sure that I am giving my ideas in this conversation and not borrowing ones from other people. So I appreciate that. That That's the right thing to do. We should watch them all no together at once all, mm. all 4th of July weekend. <laughs> okay. that sounds like a rocket time. Like a, <laughs> yes, happy, super fun. Exactly. <laughs> I actually am very glad that I've had a little bit of time before we did this to process my thoughts. Obviously, I was in a very like angry, emotional place when I spoke about the game a couple weeks ago. And while I still have emotions about a lot of what I played, I've had a lot of time to really analyze where those emotions come from and why I felt those things, what was making me so angry. The thing that we always talk about how, uh, that you should do with your feelings on Take this a show. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. Analyze. But Brittany, you just finished the game, so you're like fresh. You're Ooh. raw. Oh, yeah. I am so fresh and so raw. Yeah, I finished mm. it Sunday night, very late. I played it essentially all day Saturday and Sunday, marathon that thing. And uh, yeah, I'm going through like the grieving process right now of, of not only, okay, obviously spoiler cast is spoilers, but not only the process of Joel, but the, everything that happened and trying to process how I feel about everything, it's still so new. And my yeah. brain keeps circling. I'm like, oh God, what do I make yeah. of it? Yeah. Yeah. And if it wasn't abundantly clear by the title, we are leaving nothing off the table here. Everything is on the table to talk about in the game. So if you have not finished the game, I highly recommend you come back to this video or podcast after you have finished the game because we will be talking about all kinds of incredibly spoilery things. Mm. You have been warned. And I guess for posterity, even though we've already done it like five times, (laughs) I will once again let everybody know that copies of The Last of Us Part Two were provided by Sony Interactive Entertainment for us to review and to analyze the game. Disclaimer out of the way. FTC, I see you over there. <laughs> FCC, Gonna get it's me. one of those trade commissions, commissions, federal things. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the government. <laughs> the government. Okay, continuing on. So, um, Re, you very kindly gave us a little bit of a framework for where we should kind of maybe get started. Do you want to maybe kick things off or yeah. where do you think we should like kind of start our conversation? Yeah, um, I think... Maybe just for, for everyone listening, like a bit of a reference point, like where are each of us in our experience with Naughty Dog games and with maybe The Last of Us Part 1? Like, have each of us played it? Like, do we like Naughty Dog games? Are we not usually a fan? Like, where does everyone stand? And, and I guess I'll go first. I am fresh to Naughty Dog games with The Last of Us Part 2. I have not had a PlayStation usually as my primary console before. So The Last of Us Part 2 is my first time playing through an entire Naughty Dog game. I've played a bit of the Uncharted collection since it came to PlayStation Plus a few months ago, but this is my first front-to-back Naughty Dog game playthrough. And I did not play through The Last of Us Part 1, but I did watch a playthrough. So I am probably the freshest on, on all of this content and these gameplay mechanics. But uh, where where is everybody else at? That's awesome. I'm excited to hear your perspective on a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, I've played the Uncharted games. I played The Last of Us 
part one, I guess, the original Last of Us back in the day. I only played through it once, though. Uh, to prepare for Last of Us part two, I just briefly read the Wikipedia plot summary. Like, <laughs> okay, that's right. It'll all come back to me. Yeah, I've played all of the Uncharted. The only Uncharted I didn't finish was three, I think, because the PlayStation died. God. That I was playing what? on. Uh, it just bricked, uh, and I hadn't done the cloud save because I hadn't anticipated my <laughs> console dying. Uh, and I was literally like at the end, so I just was like, screw it. And I watched a YouTube video for what the ending was, uh, but because I'd played most of it already at that point. But yeah, so I've, I'm fairly familiar with Naughty Dog games. I really liked The Last of Us. Like, what we're all dubbing part one, even though it was not titled that. Uh, and originally going into playing uh, The Last of Us Part Two, I was one of those people who didn't really want them to even explore more. I was like very happy with where the first game ended, and I kind of liked the ambiguity of it and letting you as the player kind of figure out where it went from there. Um, but so, yeah, that's where I kind of landed. Although, obviously, I think as I said in the on past podcasts, like I was very wrong and like I actually really love this game and in some ways I love this game more than the first. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um I have played pretty much all of the Naughty Dog games except for the original Uncharted I never finished. I started it but never completed it. But I have a long history playing Naughty Dog games and I played The Last of Us in including spending some time with the multiplayer and I very much appreciate and think Naughty Dog is a great studio that does great work and have been a fan of theirs and think that there's a lot of really lovely, wonderful people that work there. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, yeah. I guess another question I have for everybody before we get really in the weeds is um, how does everyone feel about the decision, the big decision at the end of The Last of Us original, The Last of Us Part 1? Joel's decision to murder everybody in the hospital and yeah. save, <laughs> save Ellie. Just just kill everybody and take his, his baby girl out of there. <laughs> I always thought it made it made sense decision-wise for him to want to save her. I disagreed with the way the level design was handled. I didn't enjoy Rambo <laughs> running down like 30 people in a row. That felt really off compared to the rest of the game. Um, but decision wise, I agreed with I agreed with like Joel would have the motive to do that and would have the um, wherewithal to do it. Like he would be able to just go through <coughs> with it. I just didn't like the way it actually played out. I feel like my feelings are almost the same. Like I I very much stood behind Joel's decision to save Ellie. I thought that that was the right call. I didn't think that sacrificing her against her knowledge and against her will is an okay thing to do despite the fact that it would save people. Like, I, I'm not Machiavellian. I don't think the ends justify the means at all. And I thought that that decision was wrong. I also think his decision to murder everybody in the hospital was wrong. I didn't like that I was forced into that. And I think a lot of the problems that we see narratively in The Last of Us Part Two could have been solved if someone had just woken Ellie up and said, hey, <laughs> here's the situation. Do you volunteer as tribute and sacrifice yourself? <laughs> And it, I bet she probably would have said yes. And I think then that's her decision and Joel can't take that away from her. And then if he had still did what he did after she said, yes, I that's want you to take this part of my brain, I think it would have made for a much more interesting story. Hmm. They could have still done the ending the way that they did, but I think it would have changed the motivations of the characters in a really fascinating way. But well, I that's do not the way like, it granted it was, it's been a bit, I'm pretty sure at some point Ellie does mention throughout the journey with Joel that like she would be okay with dying for it if it meant something. 
something like she wanted her yeah. immunity to mean something yeah um and so i feel like if he had actually thought and considered she, he would know that that was what she wanted um but he was so hell-bent on not losing another daughter figure like he could i don't think he emotionally could have handled that but could emotionally handle murdering 30 people whatever <laughs> uh, but like th- it, that's so that was i mean I, and i could understand that i think i would have appreciated it more if it was like more of like a quick stealth through kind of section where you're like just trying to avoid all the fireflies coming at you in that moment um where he's just like trying to rush but also knows he can't physically take on that many people um that would have felt more in line with the game to me and i think then it would have been even better because i always like that part always left a bad taste in my mouth and not just because he killed somebody like i agree like he probably would have killed the people in that room but he would have probably not (laughs) killed all of those people leading up to it that was the part that always felt a little odd yeah Yeah. i also think so go ahead Brittany. yeah i watched the scene last night again of the ending of the last of us and yeah, it's like he he walks in there and the doctor, you know, he st- takes a scalpel, stabs him in the neck. And then you do have the option of not killing the other two doctors, I believe. But I think. Yes. Yeah. Been, you don't have to kill them. <laughs> pretty sure we all did. But yeah, it's watching. <laughs> I, and I, was I, like, lo- I left him. I was like, dang, like that's that's beefy. You know, it, and granted, the way the player who was watching, you know, I was watching play decided to kill the nurse was shooter in the head with a shotgun. I was like, holy shit. Like that seems so unnecessary right now. But yeah, it was. Uh, I've often thought about that, especially after seeing, you know, what what goes around comes around. Specifically in the Last of Us Part Two, how would that have changed if he had just come in there and like threatened them at gunpoint or something? Grant, we wouldn't have had the setup that we had now. But this is the stuff I'm thinking about. Like, if only you hadn't done that, Joel. Right? Because at the time you're like, okay, the game's over. This is what we're like left to sue on. Okay, but now you're seeing that those actions come full circle and what it really means and how differently that situation could have been handled. Perhaps hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't have an issue with the game, I guess, technically, because it is what it is, the ending of the first one. But now that I've seen what's happened, I'm like, that was really wrong. You didn't have to do that. You could have prevented I mean, I always, all that. I always felt like, and I, this is part of what I journaled. I forgot my journal because I'm an idiot. Um, but I You're do not remember, an idiot, Steimer. I remember bits You're just pieces. a little forgetful. That's, I, was, that's you know, he's I was so busy worrying about the sweatshirts I wanted to crop that I didn't. <laughs> we cro- hey, we sweatshirts is serious business. <sighs> Yeah, but I, I I kind of wrote a little bit after Joel's death and I was processing my feelings there and, and thinking like, well, you know, Joel and I, we, I always knew this, but it was interesting just putting pen to paper, um, being like, Joel was never the hero. No. He was never a heroic man. He never did things that were altruistic. He did things that were selfishly motivated all the time. And yet we loved him. And yet we thought of him as like a really likable character. We thought of him as a father figure. Both to Ellie and I think like you always put yourself there in there a little bit too, right? Yeah. That's part of the magic of video games is you can really connect and identify with characters. And so the fact that we, uh, I mean, we, I'm speaking very generally, but we as the gaming public, whatever, um, were able to accept Joel for all that he had done and all of his wrongs and all of his flaws, I thought was just very interesting um, because a lot of people now that you see who are, very angry about what happened to Joel in this game. I'm like, he honestly, he reaped, he reaped what he sowed, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, he planted this, he did this and he knew it. Like he knew that at some point this would come back either this or one of the, any other, other many things that he had done um, to survive in this world would come back to haunt him. He knew that. And what's interesting Uh, is that you typically don't see those repercussions in a game, right? It's mm, usually like this is just AI. You just shoot mm -hmm. it. You go on with your bad self. Life goes on. But 
this right. really took it in a whole new perspective of like, oh no, these aren't just brainless AI. Like, look what happened. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Re, how did you feel about it? I I agreed with his decision ultimately, and I wasn't honestly that bothered by him killing everyone and granted this is after many hours of watching him kill all kinds of people so i was desensitized to the personal stories of all of the npcs that he's you know put up against but by the time i got to that scene in the last of us part one or the last of us original what was left of humanity didn't feel especially worth saving and so even if there was a potential of ellie's death being part of the cure it didn't seem like it was really worth it for joel at least um and that's probably a very controversial opinion but i mean going throughout the game everybody's pretty horrible and Mm -hmm. like after going through that that whole moment where you play as ellie and you experience the things the things she experienced with the, the group of people who are cannibalistic especially i was like you know fuck everyone like they're all bad like i don't really care about saving anybody so even if this procedure does work which in the last of us original we didn't know if it would or not it, it didn't seem worth it to sacrifice the one person that seems good that seems worth saving that seems worthy of love in the sea of awful people (laughs) so i was okay with what joel did Mm -hmm. honestly and i know he was a villain in the first game but i didn't mind it so that's kind of where i landed yeah yeah they made they made a lovable villain yeah they really did and like there we're gonna get into how potentially Ellie is also a lovable villain. Oh, one hundred percent. I I love though, Re, that you brought up what I think is a very important point about this idea that the Last of Us might not be worth saving, and how that is something that I think not a lot of people are talking about in their critiques. That we yeah. as human beings are always thinking about self-preservation and species preservation and it's like yo maybe we should just burn it all down and start over yeah we're kind of <laughs> bad <laughs> like we're kind of yeah. terrible sometimes yeah we should not have risen from the muck <laughs> no <laughs> like the infected should have just taken over and like the animals rule the earth and like the infected die out whenever they die out and i yeah. bet that like, air quality is pretty clean see all those yeah. plants growing and flourishing those plants were beautiful yeah. those giraffes were doing great without us they sure were yeah the zoo is just like we live here now we live everywhere yeah exactly (laughs) okay interesting so i guess we kind of know where everybody stands it doesn't sound like anybody was like so very much like anti what joel did it sounds like we all were like yeah it's fine yeah 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 pretty much we would have preferred it to not happen but we're not like fuck this guy no yeah i feel like it's pretty rare to meet anybody who especially at the end of that game was like fuck that guy and i think that the reason why is part of what is tied into one of the major themes of the last of us part two yeah well i mean let's go ahead and get into it you know yeah the, let's do the it. major theme like <laughs> the, the cyclical nature of revenge right like if you're feeling like somebody did you wrong you're gonna go do them wrong <laughs> like that's kind of how how we'll everybody seems to operate else with you it's great yeah i mean do do yeah. how do how does everybody feel about Ellie's motivation. Does it seem reasonable? Does it seem logical? Does it seem believable? Is everybody on board with it? Before anybody answers that, hold on one second, Brittany. Before anybody answers that question, um, I do think it is important to make like a kind of general blanket disclaimer that 
you know, we're not telling anybody that they're not allowed to have thoughts or feelings or opinions about this game. And we would greatly appreciate it if you would respect that in the comments about <laughs> discussing this episode. Oh. Respect our viewpoints as they may be different than yours and respect other people's viewpoints. Whether you liked the game or hated the game, whether it's your favorite game of all time or you could give two shits about ever playing this game again and maybe you didn't even play it at all. Turns out everybody's going to have differences of opinions. Doesn't mean they're bad people. That's all I want yeah. to say. Be cool. Appreciate Be good to each other. I don't think I've ever <laughs> okay. seen a game that's been more like stepping on a, a minefield. In any comment section, anything, it's just insane with this game. Okay, anyway, back to yes. Ellie's motivation. I think on the yes. surface level, you're like, okay, this this makes sense. Joel was this father figure to her. Granted, she had issues with him. And as we find out toward the end, she did say she could forgive him. They took that away from her, and now she's out for revenge. I don't think it's so much, oh my god, you killed Joel. Obviously it is. I think it's more, you took away my chance to forgive him. You took away my chance to Mm. mend this relationship with him. And I think forgiveness is the really big thing we see throughout this game. I think we first start seeing it with uh, Abby in particular. After she, um, she has all those flashbacks when Yara and love right uh, she has the flashbacks of them hanging from a tree or not and then her next terrible flashback or her next flashback is her father like smiling at her right and i think at that moment she's found peace but she's not able to find peace because i think all of the destruction along her path brought on by the search of revenge has brought everything down and you you know you don't get to get your peace and then everything's okay like there are bad things that happen when you do bad things it's a ripple effect anyway i'm going off but yes ellie <laughs> There's so much yeah, to say. There's oh, so much. Yeah. so much game. <laughs> I think for Ellie, it's not only a matter of what she's lost in that moment or what was taken from her. I think a lot of it is Joel. I think a lot of it is what, sort of like how Joel taught her throughout or the things that he he valued. Or not valued, that's the wrong word. But the things that he showed her and how he something. acted. Yeah. that I mean, it made an impression on her. And so like... When she acts, she acts very brashly, which is sort of how Joel would go into situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that that's one of the big distinctions between Abby and Ellie is they're like Abby seems a little bit more. Um, I'm trying. I'm like blanking on words a little bit, but she seems a little bit more di- not directed, but like like calculated, calculate, calculated. Yeah. yeah, like she's a little more calculated in what she's doing. Um, there's a plan. She knows kind of what she's going to do, whereas. Ellie is like, I'm going to Seattle. <laughs> She's just like, we're going. And you're like, all right. I was okay. like, we'll just figure know, it out like, when Seattle's we get a there. Big place. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just like even in their attitudes and the way that they approach, the way that they approach revenge, Ellie's seems much more raw a lot of the times than Abby's does. Mm-hmm. Abby's seems more like she's a little bit more controlled over it. It's still driving her. And I think it's still driving her to do things. She actually later realizes were not useful at all in the first place. Um, but she believes at the time that they are. So do you think that's she because up. she's had a lot of time to think and calculate? Whereas with Ellie, it just happened. She's yeah. acting so brash, you know, it's a yeah, Abby's had years. Yeah. Yeah. Joel and Ellie disappear. Right. So there's no, and she's also like what? 14 that, in that game. Yeah, yeah. Cause she's about Ellie's age. And so, um, she doesn't have a lot of, or Abby has a lot of process time, rather, because she she just actually can't 
do anything. Like she's <laughs> there's no choice for her. She can't run after anybody. Um, she can't. She's helpless in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that is part of what drives Abby to become sort of the powerhouse tank that she is later. But uh, but yeah, for Ellie, it's like it's fresh, and when it happens. It is a very key motivation to move, and she's already at like an age where she feels like she can be on her own anyway. It, it makes a little bit more sense for her to just rush out. I think it's really tough for me as a player to care at all about Abby and her motivations. Quite just quite honestly, yeah. And it's something I've struggled with, and I struggled with the whole game. I can appreciate her character development. I can appreciate her as a character, but I don't care about her as a character. I don't care about her motivations and why she's doing it. And no amount of flashbacks, particularly in the order that they were presented, is going to make me care, especially when Naughty Dog very much chose to have the scene where she beats Joel to death with a golf club Mm. at the very top of the game. Right? Like, that was... Shocking for literally all of us, right? I don't think any of us saw that coming. I think that there were maybe some suggestions that Joe would die. Obviously, if you guys saw the spoilers, or that was part of the spoilers, right? Um, but I don't think any of us expected to feel that it was going to be that gruesome, that visceral, and that emotional in that moment. And also, like, to happen so early in the game. And that obviously impacted and colored the way that I saw Abby. And I could not get over that because no matter what her motivations are, she showed that she, deep down, is a cruel person willing to go to great lengths to hurt somebody else be- just because they hurt her. And I get that that Everyone else. nature of, ch- of chase revenge is obviously a very much a part of this world of The Last of Us. But, like, the way that she did it, and even some of the characters, the NPCs on, on the, of the wolves were like, yo, this has gone on. Like, this is unnecessary. Like, yo, he's he's... He's, he's been punished, right? And it, it was really hard for me to kind of grapple with that. And I'm like, I just could not let go of that. I was supposed to care about her and her story. And then I'm supposed to just wipe that all clean because she cares about Yara and Lev. I was like, <laughs> kind of go fuck yourself. But we'll get into that a little bit later. When it comes to like Ellie's motivations, it's so hard because like, think about when you were 14, And what you cared about when you were 14 and how empathetic you were as a person when you were 14. You weren't. Like, there's maybe a few special gems out there that have really hyper-developed emotions and are much more emotionally intelligent than the rest of humanity. But most 14-year-olds don't really give a fuck about much. And the things that you do care really passionately about don't really matter at all. (laughs) You know? So, Ellie, the relationships, The relationships and things like that. Is 19 at the beginning of Tilo 2, in case no one knew. Yeah, right, no, I'm talking about No, I know, I'm just just throwing that out there. Right, no, I'm specifically talking about what happened to her... You know, in The Last of Us. The end of the first game. The end of the first game, right? Like, because there's a flashback, right, Brittany, where Joel tells her what happens, where she's probably, what, like 16, maybe? I don't think they give, like, an exact time frame for when that flashback was to when she and Joel, but based off, like, the amount of time that they were estranged. Also, like, the time jumping around with the flashbacks made it really difficult to kind of know when those things were happening. But there's a flashback where they have that conversation where she just gets like beside herself that this happened to her. And I just thought a lot of that felt unearned because I just don't think a young adult Ellie would really have put that much thought and emotion into it. And 
that's why I think all of these character motivations were really hard for me to justify for the entire game going forward. I that's why I, that's why I brought it up. And on also, that. okay, one, one last point. point. And the reason I bring up the age is because Abby also was young, right? So yeah. the idea is that Abby is maybe a little bit older than Ellie. Maybe like it's what? Like not much. A yeah, couple of years, been, hypothetically. I think it's less than that. I think it's like um, a year. And so it's like, I also don't think Abby would necessarily have had the same amount of like vitriol. Cause like, turns out it didn't seem like the other wolves like were so vengeful and hateful. And they clearly all lost people too, right? Yeah. And not all of them were fireflies, right? We actually don't know the percentage or who was a firefly and who wasn't, or if all of them were. Or we what. know at least the three of them, though. Yeah. Were. Yeah. We're talking about Manny, Owen, Owen. Yeah, Mel, Owen, and Abby were yeah. at least all five. I thought that they yeah. all were, though. I'm pretty Nora. sure they said that they were all Nora. The whole, so the whole, are we saying that whole faction of that Wolf, Salt yeah. Lake fireflies? City that was, group, yeah, that was okay. all people that had moved over from the Salt Lake City yeah. firefly I guess I just like, station. and I know that, you know, for the sake of time, they have to pick a story and they can't like follow everybody's revenge story. But it's like, those people all probably lost somebody. Abby wasn't the only one, right? But... She gets to be the one that goes after this guy and to take him down like this. Like, I, there was just, I just had a lot of problems with the emotional validations for things overall. But I know that a lot of people don't disagree, don't agree with me on that. But I just like, it was really tough for me to overcome. I think uh, sure. for me, it's not, it's not so tough. I mean, the, this, you said, Andrew, that the flashbacks didn't really like hook you with anything. But when Abby and her dad were out, when she's calling for her dad, he's out with the whole that whole scene with the zebra. With the like zebra, it's kind yeah. of silly, but the little interactions between Abby and her dad during that moment reminded me a lot of me and my dad and the kind of banter that we had back and forth with each other. So immediately I had that personal connection and I was like, Oh, this is like really cute. I feel like, you know, we don't get to see a lot of father daughter relationships like that in a game. And I also remind myself too that I don't that world that they live in and the world that they know. I'm assuming they're those kids are going to be a little bit more rough around the edges, right? And how that totally. environment impacts them and their motivation and their reaction to things. I mean, I know if someone straight up murdered my dad and we were in like a post apocalypse, I would probably also want to get revenge. And I can't say that I wouldn't do the same thing if I were Abby and in those shoes. I don't know if I would let it drive me for the. I don't know how old she Five was. years? Five, six years. I mean, like, like, right? Like, do you think that your revenge, like, would be visceral for five years? I mean, I don't know. Because, again, like, right now, I'm pretty comfortable. Like, I, but I, the way I looked at it, too, is <laughs> that's a different world. Like, I, I, I have tools and I have ways to grieve and process the way I need to process. I don't live in a lawless environment like everyone else does. And yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So I think in that sense, it doesn't it didn't really imp- it, it wasn't surprising that she would seek to have that revenge because I feel like everybody in this fucking game, they just won't let it go. They just want to kill well, everyone yeah. that's wronged them. Well, but I think that's why I'm so confused about it, because as you mentioned, they are rough around the edges. And to me, in this world where you're losing people constantly to the infected and you're getting attacked constantly by the, the rawness of the world and the state of the world, not to mention like the other human factions. I just, I would think that they would have to come to terms with violence and grief in a much quicker way and like get over it much quicker in order to keep adapting and keep surviving. That they don't get to wallow. They don't have the luxury of wallowing in their feelings Mm. like we would today. Like I think we would be able to stew for five years on our feelings because 
we literally have nowhere else to go right now. But I think that in this world, like you have to keep moving forward and you can't look back at the people you've lost. Otherwise, you could be the one to die next. Yeah, I think Abby took that, though, and she took it as uh, a direction. That's what Abby Abby was. Abby used her anger as a motive to build herself up. Right. Like, so she goes and you see this in the flashbacks with her and Owen her and Owen start to drift because all Abby wants to do is train. Yeah. She just wants to feel... And I think a lot of that would probably be tied to her feeling of helplessness before. She couldn't have done anything to help her dad. She was 14 and a scrawny little thing. Um, but when when she's given an opportunity like she was at the Wolves and she's like, I can train and I can become a killing machine, I could easily see somebody slotting into that, especially in the in the apocalypse. Because... When you guys are talking about like loss and how easy it is for people to be carried away by infected or whatever, I think then what people might end up clinging to, which is another part of the layered themes of this game, is justice. And so, yeah, you're talking about revenge and everything, but it's not even just about simple, plain revenge. It's about feeling justified. It's about feeling like you've earned this. It's about feeling like you have a right to this. You have a right to kill this person because of what they've done to you. And that's, mm. I think, why Abby goes about about Joel's death in such a gruesome way because and I don't think she would have if he had shut up and he had not said anything I think she would have just killed him but when he makes that quip at her it definitely like you can kind of see like it tense her a little bit oh yeah he says and like for just her say what you've been that speech you've say been what you've been playing yeah say what you've been he's like trying to basically mock her and cut her down I and that was she's kind of badass I was like you go yeah, yeah I, I mean Joel. yeah it, it is until you get beat to death with a ball golf club and then it's you know not as cool anymore um but yeah I, I so like for me I thought that was really um her snapping in a way and her just being like how dare you like <laughs> first of all you already you already did your damage before and now you're gonna sit here and like make fun of me fuck you yeah. tie his leg up we're gonna draw this out we're longer this i don't out. think she, again i think she would have just like shot him you and know yeah and i kind of bring up oh, sorry real just one quick thing i think yeah. it also has a lot to do with the fact that in this society you know we get our justice in the terms of prison sentences or whatnot and Whatever it is, but in that world, you don't get that closure in any way, shape, or form. So perhaps that's that's how people do it. There is they're like, "Hey, you're just gonna keep living your best life." Oh no! I mean, granted, you would hope that they could overcome that, but again, like I don't know what it's like to live with clickers and fungus. Anymore. <laughs> sorry, yeah, Rita, I ahead. also think it's it's it's, oh, it's, yeah, a, sorry, it's a different world. But what I really could not get past is why on earth would a paramilitary force in a leader who is so organized and has so many resources and has clearly invested a lot in bringing in people from all over the country and training them to be a part of this really specific organization, the WLF, allow an entire faction to go off on a mission to go chase down somebody who is not doing anything to threaten them. Like, I don't get why you would expend that many resources like was six whole six people and whatever yeah. whatever resources food packs ammo all of that stuff to go hunt down joel who is no longer a threat and you don't even know if he's still alive because they're mad at him still like that just didn't know. make sense to me narratively at all and it was really hard for me to get past the idea that isaac would allow that to happen because it just seemed like such a waste of so much investment and you have very limited amount of people, very limited amount of resources. Like it just didn't, it didn't jive with me. And it was really hard to get past that. 
I'm so with you there, especially once we get to know who Isaac is he's as a very, character. Very meticulous about what he's planning. So yeah, it, it definitely feels like there is not like a there was something missing there, or if. He did give her permission. It was clearly because she's one of his favorites and she's like his right hand. And then if that's the case, then it feels like he he wouldn't have just written her off and called her AWOL and been like, we got to bring you in and then like murder you and hunt you down right away. It feels like, okay, listen, like either either she's your bestie or she's not your bestie. (laughs) Like, do do you like her? Do you support her when she does? And you understand she's human and makes mistakes? Or are you this ruthless guy that everyone makes you out to be? The only time I think they touch base on that is when Abby goes to visit Joel and all like the Christmas decorations, not Joel, sorry, Owen, and all the Christmas decorations are up in the aquarium. (laughs) He visits his grave. It's everything's great. Uh, and, And and I think Owen does say something along those lines of Isaac will never approve this. And she's like, oh, he has uh, something about trust or justice. I don't remember what the not trust. I think it was justice. justice yeah. 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 I think that's what it was. But yeah, that's like, so yeah. Isaac, about justice. Isaac would not care. I mean, and it just it just from my perspective, Isaac would not care. Like it's he over. He, he was never name. a firefly. That wasn't his mission. Like, why would he give a fuck? It just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I feel like it was uh, like, you know what? Just like. We're going to smudge this over. Don't look too hard at it. We need some kind of justification. I think the Isaac stuff in general could definitely be written that way. Right. Like a lot of the things Isaac does are sort of plot movers versus anything else, Um, which I personally didn't mind because he wasn't really wasn't really a big character. We could have just honestly, we could have just cut everything about Isaac from the whole game. And I don't think it would have. You might not be incorrect on that. Yeah. I'm like trying to think back. I'm like. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they just needed a leader. Like that's what important. It. Yeah, you're right. He, they just needed a leader to lead the raid on the island, mm-hmm. and to yeah. have someone to report to and call the shots. But yeah, I don't know. He made. Some I mean, shout out to Jeffrey Wright, a phenomenal actor. That when when John was watching me play, we were like, "Is that is that him?" No way that's him. <laughs> Turns out it's him. It's and if, him. You, if you guys are like, who the, who the heck is Jeffrey Wright? You may know him most from his recent work on Westworld. And oh. he's been in a ton of movies um, and is hu- is a huge actor in Hollywood. And so I just... Maybe they just wanted something just, to do. There you go. <laughs> or maybe he's friends with Neil well, because, or somebody else well, at the studio. And they're know, like, Shannon, hey, you want to be in this game? Shannon Woodward is Dina. So I'm assuming yeah. it's like, hey, mm-hmm. well, and also Hallie wrote on Westworld. Wrote on Westworld. Mm-hmm. So like, I think there's just a little bit of like, hey, you're cool. <laughs> you're really good at your job. Do you want to come be really good at your job over here? Yeah. Well, um, if you think about it, because he doesn't have a huge role, but they need a leader, obviously. Any faction like that yeah. would have a leader. And it kind of plays into the Seraph fights that's their name right where they yes. you see always see the prophet but you don't really ever get to meet the prophet or she's not really well, she's dead something that you actually interact with so i think they're probably just supposed to stand there as symbolic leaders of the faction prophet super dead yeah been dead for a while yeah i mean i i think honestly <laughs> though dead. that the 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 we'll talk about the scars here in just a second i think that the uh, their the seraphite leader being dead actually plays a lot more into the story later on, particularly once you talk to Yara about Yara Yara and Lev both in separate scenes about why they're Seraphites and their whole backstory. But I think like there's so much world building around Isaac as a person. If you went through exploration, you find so many notes 
uh, that reference him and that talk about his brutality and the things that he's done and how how brutal the wolves are to people who dissent against them. And so I was really hoping for a big payoff with Isaac as a character. And I felt like we never got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's definitely a fair critique. Um, the one thing we kind of got already away from it, but I did want to, sorry, bring us back a little bit. Back that's okay. to Abby uh, and the, and the scene um, with the golf club. Yeah. Cause I think in the, in the room, in the lodge with the golf club. <laughs> uh, so, one of the things I thought was really interesting is if you go like watching it and seeing all, so Abby is basically Ellie a, a, a little bit further on this path, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not even necessarily in age, just in terms of sort of story arc. She's just a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see Abby hoping that this is what's going to do it for her. Like this is what's going to finally give her that closure and finally let her move on. And I feel like part of her struggle and part of why it is so brutal and why she continues to go is she's looking for catharsis and she's not getting it and she doesn't know why and that frustrates her more. It's just like a yes. a weird building loop of like rage because she doesn't know what else she could possibly do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought that that was just really interesting and obviously like really well played by Laura Bailey because um, you're just like, yeah, I mean, I don't... First of all, <laughs> I don't really ever think i would feel i would get the catharsis for murdering somebody but like if that was what you thought and then you were like kind of doing it but it was not making you feel better yeah. i don't know like yeah like what would you do you'd just be like shit like everything i've literally thought up until this moment for the past five years i have lifted weights i have run miles i have done all this shit to build to this moment and I feel nothing. Now I'm even angrier. I, now I really yeah. am not e- yeah and now I'm even angrier because I don't I because to her, right? Like she's like, I feel like I did everything right. Yeah, I've done I've done everything that I should be doing up until this point. Mm-hmm. And w- where is my like release? Where is my yeah? Where is my happiness? That well, whole yeah. scene was really weird for me because the spoiler that I did get um, was that someone named Abby kills Joel with a golf club, and so no. the <laughs> so the first time I got to play as Abby, and they said her name, Abby, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I know who who this girl is. I know exactly what she's gonna do if I'm gonna believe the the rumor or the the spoiler that was posted to our YouTube page. So that whole thing when you first start playing her as her was really weird for me, and I purposefully had her killed a few times because I was like, hey, this is what you get. <laughs> it was it's actually pretty cathartic. Uh, but that scene with Joel. Like, I think that was one of the most, that in another scene later on was so incredibly disturbing when Ellie's down there and she's like, Joel, open your eyes. And he, he does. And he's, well, his eye and he sees her. And I mean, I was like, okay, at least he got to see her. But then when she swings the golf club down and you see the blood and you hear it squirting, I was like, oh my God, did you have to do that? Like, oh shit. Not only that, a lot of what I had written about was, was his final moments and like, because there's so many things of like, was that a help or a hindrance? The fact that Ellie was there, like, can you imagine mm-hmm. being like, because all, and they even reiterate this in some of the flashbacks, like everything Joel has done has been to keep Ellie safe. He literally murdered like 30 people in a row to <laughs> save her from this table uh, where she was going to be scalpeled open. He saved her. He saves her numerous times. She also saves him once, but you know, <laughs> but like all his, his main goal is to keep her safe and to keep her, like away from danger and then to see her there in his final moments and know there is nothing to be done. 
he can't do anything. He can't save her. And he must know, or he would probably think and assume that they would kill her next. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, I mean, why would why would you usually let them go? Uh, and so then I feel like, actually, it must have hurt so much more because now he feels like a failure. Hmm. On top of everything else, he probably felt like he failed Ellie. And, like, that's the part that was really hard for me to grip yeah. with. Was, like, not, like, it's- in some ways it could have been, like, oh, my, like, somebody that I love is here. At least I'm not dying alone in a room of strangers who clearly hate me. But I don't know that it was. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe it was You're right. Like, I don't know. Did Joel know that they were just there for him? I mean, he did know that Tommy got whacked upside the head, but he obviously wasn't like shot or killed. But who knows? And it's that thing of when you see their flashback conversation of the night before, when she says, I want to try to forgive you. The fact that she showed up and went after him, it wants me to have the warm and fuzzies. The fact that he saw her right before he got his head smashed and wants to give me the warm and fuzzies. But you're right, Simon. Yeah. I think when you break it down like that, it's like, well, that was probably actually, actually more bitter than sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the whole, the whole thing was, was, was rough, was rough chuckles. Um, I do want to keep the conversation moving because we have been talking for quite a bit yeah. and we are still very early <laughs> in sure, the game. Yeah. Um, so we could break it down day by day. We could break it down by Ellie's story and Abby's story if you wanted bigger, to. The bigger beats along yeah. each story path, I think, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So I think what we can kind of do is kind of look at the big beats for each each day because the story follows what three days, three roughly? days, Seattle yeah, for each. each. Yeah. 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 So if we talk about like uh, if we think kind of where Ellie's mission begins, right? Like so she's out on our own she's chasing tommy down like they tried to have this moment where they where he talked her tried to talk her out of it and like at first i was like there's no way tommy is not going after these people right just brutally (laughs) murdered his brother yeah um but and so i i get the bait and switch but now ellie's out on her own and thankfully dina's like whoa whoa, whoa, i'm coming with you um (laughs) and i really loved the moments between ellie and dina i think it was one of the the better relationships in the game the closeness that they have and i think that they really walked that fine line of really representing that these two had a deep friendship before they became romantically involved because i think that you could point out some criticisms of them like how did they're just like girlfriends they're brand new like why would you care it's like well they've been living together right in this town for five years and been friends and clearly they have a lot of feelings for each other that go beyond just like you know the the crush sexual romantic stuff right and you can like see that in ellie's journal like when Mm -hmm. when you go in the flashbacks and she talks about dina and she's like i'm pretty sure she's joking i don't know yeah Yeah, i think she's mad at me because i'm with cat you little things like that yeah yeah and i thought that that relationship was really fleshed out in a nice way and um i just overall like we we rarely get to see relationships done that well ever let alone lesbian relationships done that well and i really applaud the team at naughty dog for taking the care to say hey like we want to show you that this relationship is just like the relationships you have and i think that was some one of the things i ran into frustration talking to some people about this game and listening to some people make those really loud gross complaints that we heard being like oh naughty dog is just shoehorning in lgbt uh characters because they want to shove it down our face that they're representative and i was like first off like fuck you (laughs) like an asshole um second off like i actually think that if that was their motivation good 
We need developers to go out of their way to show this kind of representation and to remind us, yo, their relationship is just as normal as the relationship you have with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whoever your partner is. And that was the conversation that I was really struggling to get across to people. It's like, no, the whole idea is that their relationship is normal, just like yours, your, mm-hmm. your relationship is. And I loved that they made a point to say, hey, we're going to show them having a moment where they have a fight, having a moment where they have this playful, like, you know, make out in like the weed farm that they find, right? <laughs> That's like, great. I thought so much of it was so well done. Yeah, like it's messy. It took a long time for them to figure out their feelings. Like they had other relationships. They knew each other that entire time. Like they were friends and something else grew out of that. And I thought that was really beautiful to see. I I agree. I think they did that very, very well. And even, I mean, this is fast forwarding way to the end of the game, but even the moments where like Ellie comes up behind Dino and she's holding JJ and in the kitchen and they just like dance together a little bit. Like they're just, they're just so real. And like that happens and it's beautiful to see that in a game. I thought, I thought that was really well done. I applaud Naughty Dog for that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Ellie Dino relationship is like, chef's kiss to me like they they i think they did such a good job with it and yeah it really is such a i think feel like when i left the game like it was such a bright spot the whole time for me that i think that is part of why when i left it i was like i feel pretty good i don't know like, <laughs> like, like because like that was it was just such a joy to watch those two it was a joy to watch those actors together and like god and like again the the animators at naughty dog thank you so much for bringing that to life because it's so hard what they've done with every little facial tick and whatever and like the body language being able to bring all of what the actors put out into life in the game is super difficult um and they just nailed it yeah i just i think the reason why i was so mad that i had to play as abby is because i did not want to leave that Mm, despite despite how stressful some of the moments they went through was with all of the infected encounters you have with dina and like you get there and like clearly she's sick and she needs you and like you leave her and then you know it felt, felt like i was just getting to a place where i wanted more of the Ellie and Dina storyline as like a replacement for the Joel and Ellie storyline from the first game. And then they ripped it away from me. And I was like, I don't care about you, Abby. I met you. I want to go back to Dina. She's cool. Dina is you cool. Suck. I feel like Dina is probably my favorite character from the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you. I have Same. issues with yeah. pretty much everyone. Except for Dina. <laughs> well, I think Jesse was a good, was a oh, good. Jesse. Jesse was, okay. Oh, Jesse. I was waiting for hot. Oh yeah, Jessie. Can we just say that? Oh yeah. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, yeah very, of course. So, yeah. very attractive. Yeah. Sure. But the thing is, Jesse was too good of a character. I was so suspicious mm-hmm. of him the whole time. Fair. I'm like, why are you here? Like, he's very nice. Okay. <laughs> I don't. My, my favorite lines in the whole game was Jesse at the very beginning when he's like waking Ellie up and she's overslept, and she's like, "I'm sorry, we kissed. I don't know. It was weird." And then. He's like, no, whatever, we're fine. Don't worry about it. And then he's like, it's kind of fucked up you did that. Though. Yeah, I, know, that was I, so good. I lost it. I laughed so hard because I was just like, oh my god. And again, Chef's kiss to that actor. Such nailed the delivery of that line. Oh so yeah, good. they did so many good. Yeah, the acting was phenomenal. But I really liked Jesse and man, oh man, did not see that death coming. That oh my god, so he deserved oh so much better. He, dude, I, so I actually screamed. <laughs> like blinking, you miss it. Like Blinken, it was just yeah. like, what? What? They I did know. that. Yeah. It's crazy because, like I said, he was so pure-hearted and so oh. good that I had a hard time trusting him. I feel like every person in every video game has an <laughs> ulterior motive. And maybe he had one and we'll never know. But I'm going to give him the benefit yeah, of the fair. doubt. He was a good character through and through. 
You know what? Yeah. That was kind of yeah. funny, no. though. That's why he had to die. <laughs> he was yeah, too good. Yeah, seriously. Fuck you. Lost don't be that good, everybody. It's, it's don't be trouble. good. You just get a bullet in the head. I don't know what. Anyway, just so be mostly when good. you... Um, when you're as Ellie and you're playing, I don't know where you are, you're Seattle somewhere or whatnot, and he grabs you from behind and he has his hand yeah. over your mouth, right? And, he, and she's like, what the hell are you doing here? I thought that was funny because that was the scene where Joel was animated. Do you remember that? Way- oh, yeah, no. They tricked us. They tricked mm-hmm. us. I was like, okay, there I know this can't tricks. be Joel. Yeah. I thought at first I thought it was going to be Tommy. I thought it was it Tommy, was, too. Mm-hmm, and then it was Jesse. And then part of me was like, okay, well, I'm glad you're here, dude. But also, hmm. Like, it, yeah. it, it was great, don't get me wrong. I'm happy he made another appearance, but it also seemed like, how the hell did you get here by yourself, and how are you here right now? When He was probably just came, like, shortly behind them. Just following them the whole time? I don't know, it just seemed yeah. a little too coincidental. But again, it's a video game, and it's some things yeah. you just have a hard time believing than others, and <coughs> that was just one of those things. But I'm glad he was there, yeah, I, <laughs> and then he died. Yeah. I, I'm with you, too. I think that's also why... Uh, just like it was another reason why I feel like I had so many anger issues in the middle of playing this game. Obviously, I'm not angry about it anymore. I, like I said, I disagree with some of the choices they made, but I'm not mad about it. Um, I think like the idea of Jesse was a good one. I think that I would have believed it more if the characters would have languished in lamenting what happened to him, even mm-hmm. at all. It feels yeah. like he didn't really get his moment. Just like I don't think... A lot of characters in this game got their moment when they got unceremoniously murked. Like, I think that there was just, like, no recognition of what happened. Yeah. And we'll get to it once we get to, like, day three, because that's really when shit starts to break bad. But I was just really disappointed that there wasn't more. There wasn't, like, a a beat to be like, oh, my God, I watched my friend get a hole blown through his face. I think that's because, well... I guess they probably just didn't show it. Like, but, yeah, I agree with you. It would have been nice if there had been a little bit more... Like meditation on it, I yeah. guess, or like yeah. a reflection. Reflection. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. I do love that he was like the shining moment to be like Ellie, walk your rage back when Dina was very clearly ill, and she's like, "We," he, he's like, "We have to take her back to Jackson." Yeah, you have to let this go. You cannot go after her. He's this a is good crazy. Baby daddy. Yeah, he's like, "Yo, like," but also he's priorities. Like trying, priorities. He was trying to remind Ellie, like somebody you care about who is alive is right here and needs your help right now, mm-hmm. and you have to prioritize the person who is here that you care about instead of going after some vendetta. Like, you get to be mad, of course, but, like, this person who you love is here and needs your help. And yeah, I can't believe you're walking away from them. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck yeah, Jesse, you tell her. Yeah, I know. Jesse was super right on a lot of things. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I like, I mean, granted, I get it all. And, like, I do think the way they twisted around was, like, so gut-wrenching, but in a good way. When you're, like, you see Ellie, like, finally starting to be, like, I guess it has to be. Like, she's not really letting it go, but she's willing to let it go in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you just walk, walk, and then Abby walks walking it. doors. And then Abby's like, what's up? Great. <laughs> and now you're here? Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, we sort of skipped around again because yeah, it's we hard did. not to. We did. The game is easy to do that with, I would say. I mean, well, the game itself skips around quite a bit. Also true. Very true. Um, I, how did you guys feel about the way that they broke down where you play as Ellie and where you play as Abby? Like, you play essentially like... You know, a big chunk, like maybe like 40% of the game. 
30%, as Ellie, and then you play an even bigger chunk as Abby, and it's not split up. It's all like one and one. How did you feel about that? I will say, mechanically, it felt weird. And it's because as Ellie, I know Ellie. I've played in, you know, been with her for hours and hours and hours in both the first game and this game at this point. Her life is precious to me as as the person, you know, with the player agency, right? So I went mainly stealth with, with Ellie. I'm using the arrows. I'm crafting silencers. I'm trying not to get into sticky situations. Even, like, the first time you land in Seattle and you go to that little side mission at the bank, like, I'm careful, right? Like, I turn on the accessibility options. Like, I'm trying not to lose Ellie's <laughs> life, right? As soon as they switch me over to Abby, I don't give a fuck. I run <laughs> out. I am throwing the pipe bombs wherever the fuck. Like, I don't care if I trip on them. Like, she died so many times when I was playing as her because I didn't care about her. I don't know her. She's rude. She killed Joel. I hate I her. Know her. And like, this was like the first time I've ever had this experience where like my narrative understanding of a character changed the way I played a game. And that was, yeah, was really interesting. interesting. But I think it made it harder for me to get on board with playing as Abby for so long because they force you to play as her for so long. And I couldn't keep not caring about her because that would just impede my progress. So it's almost like gameplay wise, I was forced to care about Abby because I couldn't keep tanking the way I wanted to because I didn't want her to live. <laughs> like it was really struggle. I struggled. I feel you. The first time I got to a crafting bench as Abby, I was like, fuck no, I don't want to upgrade any of her bullshit. I want this section where I play as her to be done. Yeah, And then I did not know that I had at least 15 more hours in front of me <laughs> yeah. of upgrading all of her trees. And I'm like, I'm going to hate this bitch by the end. <laughs> yeah, I think for me too, it was at first I was excited to start as Abby, you know, and interact with my dad and whatnot. Because I think that expands on the first game and I get to kind of understand like, okay, what the fuck? Because I, I wanted to understand. Kind of, I, I mean, I, I would say I did. I didn't hate Abby, actually. I would say by the end, I liked her probably just as much as Ellie. But to to play as her, I, I didn't really want... I know, understand what they were doing in terms of like, hey, we got to build this character. We have to show you her motivations because we want you to think twice about your <laughs> actions and how not everybody is bad, how not everyone's one-dimensional. But the minute I saw that I got one skill magazine upgrade and then I saw the other one like popped up and it was locked and then the other one and then the other one and I saw I was like oh god this is gonna be a whole another three set act isn't it and for the most part I think a lot of it was good the stuff with Yara and Lev but there were certain parts of her campaign that I felt like were just dragged on and in particular I thought the hospital was unnecessary granted that hospital scene was like something straight out of Resident Evil and I think it was incredibly (laughs) well done and incredibly spooky and that monster mm-hmm. at the end that rat king mm. oh my god was that fucking thing an abomination beyond all abominations but at the same time i felt like that was that all could have been cut she could have walked in which i think would have been interesting and just chat with everybody go see nora go get the medicine and you can kind of do that to an extent but as soon as Nora's like hey we haven't cleared out the bottom levels but there just happens to be stuff down there it's like oh you're gonna gamify this isn't it aren't you <laughs> and, and they did and i thought that part just wasn't super necessary but it was there. So, like, for the most part, I liked Abby's parts and moments, but there are things I think could have been trimmed off of it. I yeah. am probably the only one here that actually really likes Abby. <laughs> no, I, said, like, I don't, I don't hate her. I don't hate her at the end. I just hated that yes. they made me like her. <laughs> I do. I do think there was a bit. Yes. There was definitely a bit of hesitation at the, the initial switch. Um, 
and but I knew as soon as it, I knew I was in for a long haul immediately because of the way they they named it. So as soon as it was like day Seattle day one, I, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we're gonna go through all three of these days. The we're gonna do the the flip side basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was hard, and I think I definitely stopped playing for a little bit and like took a beat, and I wrote and I just wrote more about Ellie at that moment because I just wanted to like process all of that out first before diving into this abbey onto abbey road if you will <laughs> bad beetles joke um and <laughs> uh and then i think i was able to once i had kind of written that down and like gotten that out i i was able to dive into abby's story a little bit more and yeah i mean I, it definitely took me a, a little bit to warm up to her but i really i really did over time and i liked a lot of her flashbacks i liked a lot of her motivations i liked her fear of heights because i oh, also have so a fear good. of heights and oh my god the Same. sky i thought the sky bridges were brilliant yeah. that yes. whole scene was the, amazing it was so yeah. good and i was like oh my i'm gonna throw up like very <laughs> effective like, oh god. Ah. <laughs> um so yeah i thought that was really humanizing also really clever to be like what are the sky bridges what are they gonna be oh my god they're just cranes they're cranes all the they're fucking cranes in seattle cranes. <laughs> i know yeah. i was like that's brilliant i don't know who thought of that but hats off to you yeah i i and with you that by the end, I started to see her perspective and started to like her. And I think that I got, the reason I stayed so angry about it was because I didn't want to learn about the wolves. I don't care about their how they are human and they have relationships too. Because I think a lot of that had to do with Ellie picking up all of these letters through her sections of the game in mm. the very beginning, really talking about the evil things that the wolves were doing, the, the way that the wolves treated people who dissented against them, how ruthless Isaac as a ruler was, and that people would like volunteer to be part of this faction. Or, you know, as we saw, some people being forced into it because it's like, well, that we or either, die. Yeah, it's either we die or, or we're with them or we take our chances in the woods with the, with the, the infected, right? Or that. Or the Seraphites, right? Yeah. When Seraphites obviously seemed like a little bit worse. Um, or a lot, or a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it's like I, I, I just didn't care to humanize any of those people. I was like, I don't want to know. You guys all seem bad. The yeah. old wolf seem bad. The seraphites seem bad. Y'all seem bad. I don't want to learn about how you have relationships with each other and you seem human because you're not. At the end of the day, you, you make sweet sweet dogs into ruthless killers. I don't like it. They do. Um, and I wanted more of the relationships that we got a tiny glimpse of in Jackson. I was like, I want more of those people because those people at least seem like they have problems like all humans do, but they don't seem like they have like a ruthless, terrible agenda. <laughs> and it seems like they're, they're living semi-normally and it seems to be going okay, short of, you know, a couple dust-ups here and there and yeah. a couple, you know, really terrible crotchety old men running bars. But like, that, I think that's what kept sticking with me and what really prevented me from grapp- grappling onto Abby as like a character that I'm supposed to care about with relationships that I'm supposed to care about. Because I was like, but she's with all these really terrible people. And like the whole time Naughty Dog's like, but they're human, but they're human. I go, I don't care. Like you just set up so many hours of the game telling me that they're bad. And now you're like, psych, you actually are going to like them now. And I think that's what left me with such a sour taste in my mouth. Oh, see, I thought that was You're interesting. Like, I don't want to like people. I don't want to like yeah. them. Because I'm with <laughs> you. I feel like everybody, everybody, you would agree with me here. I, But I don't. I mean, I, I, I get your perspective, I, but I actually don't. And because I think what this game, the game really did make me think about a lot of those yeah. things. Yeah. Like about everyone's perspective. I think I was talking about this over dinner with you one night where I was like, 
technically being dependent on your actions, even if you feel like you might be doing everything correct by your moral compass, you can be the villain in someone else's story. So I think that it's interesting to look at Jackson because it does feel like it's very, it's painted very idyllically. Like it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, look at it. But what are the stories of Jackson? We don't know. We like, we don't know all the stories of what's going on in there because you don't actually spend that much time there. Mm -hmm. So while you can probably surmise that they aren't the worst people you've run across because Joel and Tommy are willing to help Abby immediately. You can survive some of that, right? Like they aren't at least insta killing people, but like you don't actually know the full story mm-hmm. of Jackson. It just seems very nice. But I feel like if you were a wolf, you would probably be like, "What we're doing seems fine." Like I, I, there's like a torture camp inside well, the wolf okay. thing. Okay, I, like, I maintain. You, I think well, Isaac cut that just stick off. <laughs> like I think he did. <laughs> You know what? Maybe he deserved it. No, no one deserves it. You know I know, like. I know. But I just thought it was an interesting thing to try and look around and be like, in what ways, especially because it is the apocalypse, mm-hmm. a lot of those people mm-hmm. would probably, even if they didn't agree with it, not really, like, where else are you gonna go? Like, yeah, sure. you're... So that's, that's more of how I thought about it. Like, even if you disagreed with what Isaac was doing, I don't know how much room you had for discourse about it. Like, you would probably just be like, well, that's one of the greater philosophical questions that we don't really need to dive too deep in because we could probably have a whole conversation about sure, it. But like course. the idea of what part of your humanity are you willing to, are you willing to sacrifice for survival? What yeah. part of your empathy and your your connection to other people are you willing? What part of your morality and your ethics are you willing to sacrifice to stay alive? That's what I really liked about Owen, uh, who we haven't, we haven't really discussed a lot Owen. about yet, and yeah. his character and how... He basically is, he's Abby's, he is Abby's moral compass. He's mm-hmm. Abby's directive on like what is good and what is right because he himself is such a genuinely caring person. Mm. Uh, and that was always really nice to see. And I love that the aquarium became their refuge in Seattle. And it was, it is the the place away from the torture chambers and like the all sorts of really weird bad wolf shit because they aren't wolves. Like that's not where no. they came from. Yeah. I would they are fireflies. Owen is He's a good guy. He's not the best guy. No. He he was an interesting dude. And I think that was so interesting about, you know, you and his Ella, you kill everyone, and then you see who these people were beforehand, and then you're like, oh, wow, time for reflection. But no, it's, <laughs> it was interesting because I noticed with Owen and Mel and Abby, that whole relationship, obviously Owen and Mel have been together for a long time. She's very pregnant, yet <laughs> Owen and Abby have a little tryst one night. And Mel shows up yeah. the next day, and he's like, she just showed up out of nowhere. And he was so quickly to leave Mel to go to Santa Barbara. He was so quickly to leave her to join Abby to go to um, the Seraphi Island. So clearly his heart is still with Abby. But yes. I feel like – so, I mean, I guess that's this is it. Like, is he a good guy, or is he just yeah. a conflicting guy? Like, you have a child on the way that you're ready to abandon to mm. follow something – it's at that point that you take responsibility. Post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world, man, it's fucked up. There's so many, I don't know. I mean, but, but that's like the, I think, plays into yet another big question of do you think that raising a baby among the wolves, knowing that you're led by this ruthless, cruel dictator, essentially, is the right place to be having a baby? Probably is not. Is that where you want to be raising a kid? But he was Doesn't ready to leave. Great. He was ready to leave Mel and the baby to go after the fireflies. 
I thought they were, I mean, they were both going. Well, she wasn't going to go also first. wanted to bring she Abby. She was going to go, remember. Abby said, well, what about Mel? Oh, she'll make it or she'll be fine. And then yeah. Mel was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going if you're going, Abby. And then that whole thing started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, drama. Yeah. I still I still stand by, I think, Owen deep down is a good person. I do think he's, Flood. like, as you said, conflicted. Because when you see him, he's still very much, and also my voice is going in a weird way, which is... Uh, Whatever. We'll push that. I like it. It's probably um, sexy. Just keep drinking. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just getting a little sexier. That's fine. <laughs> um, when, when you see young Owen and young Abby together and you know, and I, I always thought it, I thought it was really cute when her dad was like, I noticed you and Owen like, yeah. trying to not look at each other. And she's like, ew, gross. <laughs> and then, you know, they're they're in Seattle and they're on the, the Ferris wheel. And I feel like you can see it's starting to fall apart there where he wants to like relax with her and he wants to enjoy his time. And she's like, no, nah, I gotta go. I gotta go train. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that, they, although they don't explicitly say it, I feel like that has to have been what drove them apart Absolutely. was her, her unrelenting rage. desire to keep going and keep pushing when he was more than willing to take a step back and be like, look, we still have a good life here. Let's focus on what we have mm. versus what we don't. Um, it's almost like a parallel between Dina and Owen. It mm. is. They are. They're they're yeah. very similar. And also, um, Abby parallels some of what Owen says earlier in the game. At the end of the game, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like that. conspiracy theory strings being drawn on the wall. You can yeah. just connect things back and forth. Um, anyways, I lost my train of thought now. But oh, TLDR, I we don't were- think Owen is a bad dude just because he was yeah. willing to leave Mel. I think he truly loved Abby. She was never in a place that she could reciprocate. And then I think once the de- the deed was done, Joel was dead. He was maybe secretly hoping, but also felt maybe trapped because Mel's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't do can't he do a lot after that. Uh, yeah, you gotta wrap it up. Use oh. protection kits. This was my my <laughs> even in the apocalypse. I feel like the this is a goof, so don't take it seriously. <laughs> but the game's main theme is. Is, is a warning uh. about the pullout method and how it doesn't work. It yep. does not. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the that's... Last of Us Part Two. It's wear a condom for God's that's sake. Like or if the apocalypse starts. seems like it's happening, get your ass to the grocery store or to the drugstore and stock up on condoms yep. as much as you can. Because like you do not want a baby when shit's going down. Mm-hmm. Get some Plan B while you're there. Yeah, get you whatever know? you can yeah. to whatever like flush this situation out. <laughs> and, <laughs> Just like go on with your life because good lord. Apocalypse, man. Apocalypse, no fun for babies. No. I mean, can you imagine being like God. in a room full of clickers trying to keep a baby quiet? Oof. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nope. There's plenty of alcohol around. You you've obviously got condoms still left. Just yeah. pick one up. Grab a pack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wrap it Who up. Cares if expi- it's expired. Try it anyway. Yeah, be safe. You know? It's better than nothing. <laughs> It's true. Um, this is your lesson. This is your lesson, kids. Hopefully, there's actually no kids listening to this conversation. Um, okay, let's um, let's continue on in the story. A moment um, that happens on day two. Uh, we've already briefly talked about the hospital and the seraphites. Um, mm-hmm. There is a moment with Nori, Nori, Nora, Nora, and Ellie that I would like to talk about, but maybe we talk about the seraphites first, or should we maybe wrap up our conversation about? The hospital and then move on because I feel like there's a lot. Hospital and then there's a lot to unpack with the scars, right? Yeah, the seraphites have a lot. So I really thought that this moment introduced some really cool gameplay elements because when Steimer was telling me about her playthrough, she was like, "Oh, you know, like I spent like the first couple of hours of the game just like." 
killing everybody. Just like <laughs> stealth, 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 kill, stealth, kill, stealth, kill, stealth, kill. And that way, you know, you can kind of move freely through sections. And I did as well. And it wasn't until I got to the hospital. Mm. And I remember what That's Steimer what I did too. Yeah. When Steimer told me, she's like, once you get to a certain point in the game, you'll stop killing everybody because there's just too many people to kill. Yep. <laughs> and the hospital was the moment where I was like, okay, I could stealth kill all of these people. It will just take an incredible amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I want to keep moving forward because I felt like I was already moving slow because any encounter I had with infected or clickers or whatnot, I went super slow and because I was so scared about getting in, like getting my neck ripped out of my my body. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, the neck is Thank an important you. part to Thank keep uh, attached. It's yes. very you important. You need oh, your neck. You. you do. Without your neck, um, you don't have a head well, attached to your body. It's true. Yeah, but the, the head reason, exists over there. But the reason I bring up the hospital is because I think there's a really awesome chase sequence that happens with Nora, which is a, a really cool, like, you know, tension building moment. And we, d- we have a couple of really scary chase sequences. Um, the one with Dina and Ellie, when you're in like the subway, mm. like made mm. me almost like, Oh God. Yeah. I was, out. I, was I, was so, I was so scared. <laughs> um, running through that, that, and even like the first one with Abby at the very beginning of the game where you're like running through and the fence, like, comes oh, at yeah. you, like, uh-huh. ah! Yeah. Oh all of the chase sequences were awful i hated them all um but for but for very good reasons um but the reason i bring up this scene is because i think that this is a such an impactful scene between nora and ellie and how she clearly like brings nora down to the basement where the big ghoulie is that we don't get to see right we just see a bunch of clickers mm-hmm. and we see the virus start to take a hold of Nora and she starts to become infected kind of like before your eyes and you have this one-on-one dialogue moment with Ellie and I waited I can't tell you how many minutes you did I waited I was waiting for the game to give me an option to not kill Nora and Ree's like, I killed that bitch. I was ready. I was ready. How dare her? That's my dad. <laughs> Don't come for me and my dad. I'm sorry. No. Mm-mm. No, that's interesting. I also hesitated. And I think part of you is like, you know, and this is the weird thing. It's Ellie has killed so many people by this point. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, having her deliberately torture someone feels mm. different than taking out someone who's looking after you and trying to kill you right and so it was the idea of her breathing heavy her facial expressions every, the way her whole face was just moving holding that bar i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god and i also waited andrea i waited a hot minute and <laughs> then i realized that well this is not accomplishing anything so let's just beat this bitch out let's do it <laughs> yeah i i waited but not a long time i waited maybe for like 30 seconds and then i was like okay I like it's clear that Ellie wants to do this and I think it's also again a reflection of Joel and like how what he's taught her because like there was even I can't remember in the timeline where it was but the thing that she was like oh this is a thing that Joel and Tommy would do where like oh, yeah. you have somebody you have somebody write it down you have somebody else yeah tell you that comes back later in the match. aquarium yeah mm-hmm. that's okay yeah yeah I'm like I knew I couldn't remember where it landed but um so like again not to beat a dead horse but like Joel, not a good person. Oh, shimmer. Did, oh, my oh, God. God. That was so okay. That's the death that needed more. I'm sorry, Jesse. God love you, too. But, like, the fact that they barely mourned Shimmer, I was so upset. They don't I was even just mention like, Shimmer. I don't like, think. Why I would you waste an entire horse? Like, it's the apocalypse. <laughs> like, 
save the horse. The horse is a funny sentence. I'm, save the sorry. Horse. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. You're but no, right, yes. though. Yeah, I, no, there's no moment of silence for Shimmer. No one even brought it F- up. And I was like, Shimmer, you guys, Shimmer. Disrespectful. F in chat for Shimmer, everybody. Yep, F in chat. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, so I couldn't not mention it. Like, no, I that I moment agree. fucked me up. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm right oh, there with was you. That was the that. I was like, Burr. yeah, no, no comeuppance for poor Shimmer. Yeah. But uh, what we're talking about? But we were we were we were talking oh, about Ellie the. Nora. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And how yeah, like a lot of I think her moral compass is inherited from Joel, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not necessarily a good thing, right? So she was like, I need this information. Yeah. I will do what I got to do. Yep. Yeah. I'm glad that they just didn't show it. That's all I was really happy about. I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm, thank you for not torture porning this. Yeah, I think you know? this was a defining moment for me in my anger of the game because I, in this moment, was like, the game is telling me repeatedly that murder is bad and that you should feel things for these people and that they're humans with thoughts and feelings, right? That they are actual people with backstories. And then you're still going to make me beat her to death anyway well, that's because mm-hmm. it's not your story right but like that's like that was the problem though that i had is that it felt like there was a lot of finger waving from the naughty dog writers of like hey we're telling you that your moral compass is not in the right place and that this is bad and that everything's fucked up and y- it shouldn't be fucked up but we're gonna make you do the fucked up things that we're telling you are the bad things to do and it's like the whole thing about with alice right alice the dog right mm-hmm. they <clears throat> repeatedly in in the press previews that I did for The Last of Us Part 2, the Naughty Dog team who were on site made a big deal about being able to play the game non-lethally. And they're like, you don't have to kill the dogs. And mm. then you have to kill at least you one dog. At least one. Yeah, you have to kill right? And just like they said, you don't have to kill the soldiers, but you have to kill at least one and like my whole, you gri- killed multiple, yeah. yeah, yeah. My my gripe was that if the developers just hadn't done that, if they just hadn't like picked this hill to die on in some of these press interviews that happened during preview coverage that we all talked about, I think I wouldn't have been as upset if they hadn't taken this like, well, you can play it non lethally, and it's like, no, bitch, no, you, you can't. can't. You absolutely you cannot. You forced me to be a murderer in the game, so it's like that's okay. We've all collectively agreed that video game violence is fantasy, and when we play The Last of Us or The Last of Us Part Two, we're signing up knowing that there's going to be a lot of fucking dark violence, mm-hmm. and like we collectively agreed that's okay. I think my biggest gripe and why I came away a little angry after these moments was like, you told me that you were trying to take some moral high ground of like you don't have to be violent if you don't want to but we'll give you all of these tools to be really violent if you want to go that route and then in reality they're like well we're going to force you into these situations regardless and I just wish that they would have just not t- taken that ground and just like let that discovery happen on the part of players Yeah, and I think that's what kind of like rubbed me the wrong way and just once again <laughs> yet another example of mismanaged expectations on the part of marketing and PR <laughs> yeah I, we've talked about this before and yeah I- I I had only seen a couple of things before the game came out because I wanted it that way. I didn't want... Mm-hmm. To, I was trying to avoid things as much as possible. Um, so I saw like the first trailer uh, thing where you see Abby. You don't know who she is at the time with the Seraphites. Uh, was like feeling real queasy about it. Didn't like it. Oh, yeah. um, then I think I only saw like one or two snippets and I pretty much closed down. I obviously listened to your gameplay preview on the show, but... 
for the most part went in dark and was not paying attention to the PlayStation marketing. And I didn't realize how much of a favor that was to myself until I started <laughs> talking to you, Andrea. And you were like, yeah, no, they're like, like, I do think I would have been really irritated at the bait and switch Joel Jesse moment, but I don't, I somehow never managed to see that. I don't know why, or like if I was just not paying attention or if I just forgot and thank you brain for doing that. Um, but I was like, Oh wait, really? Huh? Didn't, I, no, there's a moment in one that. of the biggest trailers they put out too, where there's a conversation between Joel and Ellie in the trailers that they pumped literally everywhere from the Sony marketing machine that in the game is actually between Ellie and Tommy. Yeah. And like, mm. I understand why they did it, but I'm like, yo, just don't show that scene in your fucking trailer. Then. <laughs> I actually think so. When I was starting to play, I had already played, I was actually already up to the hospital or past the hospital when the state of play came out right before I think previews were allowed. And Watching that trailer, even that the I was like, why are you? Why? Why are you showing <laughs> some of this stuff? Stop it! Like you're, to me, I'm like I would have been irritated if I wanted to go in, not knowing that much because mm-hmm. it shows you things that like you don't need to know. It's just like extraneous shit that you should. It's not necessary, and you're just kind of ruining it. So stop it! Stop it, marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be better. Um, let's move on to talk about the seraphites the scars yes and <sighs> two of some of the best characters in the game yara and lev so we meet the scars we originally met them at paris games week and that was a brutal trailer to watch if y'all remember the clip yeah. of wings yeah segment oh, of the yeah. game which interestingly enough if you go back and watch it and then you have played the game you notice they have dramatically changed the character model for Abby, mm-hmm. she is she's still like very like toned and muscly uh-huh. in the original trailer, but she is obviously jacked in the game <laughs> yeah. that we play now. And it's funny because there's a lot of guys that I know that were like, "Yo, how do I get Abby's arms? Her arms are like <laughs> trending right now, twelve hours a day." <laughs> I never thought they should have released Abby's Ellie's workout. Mom. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that too. Oh um, man, but. So the the scars, as we learn of them first, and then we learn later about them being called seraphites, are mm-hmm. this is this religious cult that clearly started out as people that were just trying to find a way to find a semblance of normalcy, which is really where religion comes from at its root. If you study religion yep. from from thousands and thousands of years ago, it's like let's explain how life exists by creating these religions, right? Yep. Um, and I think it's interesting to how religion has evolved in the world of the the last of us part two what i really liked about some of the world building that was done is that they kind of also led this group up to be this really specific culture that seemed bad right it seemed wrong to want to be a scar to be a seraphite and when we first learn that these two people that we run into are seraphites and obviously ellie keeps calling them excuse me abby keeps calling them scars like i I love how they try to break down that whole relationship and there's so much there's so much to unpack between Mm. how we first meet lev and yara to how we learn about their story it just to me was one of the best parts of the whole game is abby's discovery about why they left what they're on the run from, what their relationship with their mother is, what happened to Lev, why Yara is supporting Lev, and that whole backstory about Lev's transition, I think was so such a tough conversation to try to have, but I thought they did, to me, I thought they did a pretty excellent job. But I know that, Ree, you had some issues with it. I did. 
Um, and this is this is tough to talk about because obviously there is, as you said, a lot to unpack. I think ultimately they told the story they wanted to tell, and I think they told it very effectively. What I struggled with is the lack of a content warning. There is a lot in Lev's arc that is triggering and harmful and very, very painful for people to play through. If they identify with some of the the dead naming, the violence against Lev, especially Lev's interactions with his mother, that can really fuck somebody up. And the fact that when you go into The Last of Us Part 2 and you're expecting to play a really brutal game about the apocalypse and you're hit with that... It, it does feel like something that should be addressed before you get into it, before you pick up the controller. You should be able to decide if that's something you want to get into that day. And it bothers me a lot that it was embargoed and that people were not able to get the information about Lev's Ark and specifically the triggers in Lev's Ark ahead of time. I understand spoilers and content warnings are are really difficult to navigate, but it it did hit me really, really bad and it made it hard for me to get through. But I understand why they told the story the way they did. I just wish they would have given people the choice to participate in that or not. So I've, that's kind yeah. of where I come from it. I've read a few articles about Lev regarding uh, from the LGBTQ plus community and how people who can obviously speak on this way better than I can have issues with Lev. Um not love in particular, but with the storyline of love and how Yara yeah. was the one who outed love to Abby. Mm-hmm. And in, I'm not I'm not going to talk too much about this because I don't want to sound ignorant and butcher it. But there are a lot of interesting articles out there if you want to look at one. I'm looking at one right now from Inverse called um, The Last of Us Part 2 Dead Naming Prompts Outcry from LGBTQ plus Community and Allies. And there's another one, I think, on Pace Gaming as well. So just an interesting perspective that I personally hadn't thought about until I was starting to read some of these articles. And I was like, that's an interesting point that I yeah. wouldn't have thought about otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff I had to read up afterwards because, again, I'm not super close to a lot of that. Um, not very educated on a lot of it or how it would make you feel. But I, and, I, I, and I think the best illustration of that is I didn't actually realize that dead naming was happening. I thought it was a title mm-hmm. of some kind in their ranks. That's what I thought was happening because I'm yeah. just dumb. And I was like, oh, well, they're like nature-y. That's probably, <laughs> like, that's probably some sort of title. They love a good crown uh, braid. That seems like something yeah, they yeah, would say. I was, I was like, that's where my brain went. I was like, oh, cool. It's that. Yeah, I think later, a lot of people felt realized that way. what it was, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And when part, when the Seraphites were calling Lev Lily, I thought maybe that was like a a thing within their, I don't know what, their their culture or whatever. What you, have like a, you have an official <laughs> name, and then you have another name, and it wasn't that until the R starts. I was like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so and, you and, and to be clear, had the exact same experience. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be clear, I'm not condemning anybody who enjoyed the game or Lev's arc or the treatment of Lev uh, was really effective for them to hate the Seraphites, which is clearly something the game wants you to do for lots of reasons. Like, like uh, again, I don't want to pass judgment on people who enjoyed the game. It hit me wrong because of the information that I have. Um, and I know it could be harmful to some people and that's what i was really frustrated by is that there was no opt-in for that trauma and and that's yeah, that's I the part that bothered me point. yeah i i 100 am with you like i think that there was not a lot of opt-in for a lot of trauma yeah. about this game Fair. And I think clearly like i was upset about a lot of the trauma in this game and a lot of other people were upset and i think we all knew that this game was going to be heavy i don't think any of us had were prepared for just how deep down like the hurt 
rabbit hole. Like Naughty Dog was like, we're going to take you to some dark fucking places. Are you ready? And I, and I don't really think they needed to go as dark as they went in a lot of places to really make their point. Mm. And it's tough with the dead naming. Obviously, none of us can speak from our experiences with dead naming and just how hurtful and terrible it is and all of the other really shitty emotions that come along with it. And I think that when you look at the way that Naughty Dog used it, they were clearly using it as a weapon, right? They were using it specifically to hurt, Mm -hmm. to hurt somebody, to say, you aren't who you say you are. We're going to dehumanize you because that's the what our shitty cult does. Yeah. And that doesn't justify it. That doesn't make it the right thing to do. It doesn't make it the right story to tell about trans people in a moment where trans people are being targeted more than ever it really kind of makes you stop and go, hey, what could you have done differently to still tell Lev and Yara's story without having to make it go down this path, right? Like, is there a way that we can have trans representation in the game without it being around that Lev is a bad person, that we're literally going to murder Lev because of who Lev is and because we want to indicate that Lev is a bad person, we're going to dead name in the game, you know? And like, I understand why they made the choice. I just don't agree with it. I think it was just a bad choice. I think there was a lot of interesting conversations that I ended up reading after that were similar to that. I think Ryu also brought this up briefly um, about how like, yes, there's a lot of violence in this game, but, and I actually didn't even consider this until I read these perspectives. um, But Lev is the only one where violence is targeted at them because of like a fundamental being of who they are versus an action that they have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting. And I was like, oh, I actually never thought about that. And I do think that maybe they could have done it. I don't know how they could have done it because I'm not going to sit here and rewrite the game. But yeah, I do think it's definitely food for thought on like whether or not you can tell those stories without it being having violence at the helm of what um, what that pr- character is or like why like why the care why sorry my brain is like mm-hmm. sort of fritzing right now <laughs> but, but hopefully you kind of understand what yeah. i'm trying to say yeah okay, yeah somebody rephrase rephrase for me andrea yeah no i think the <laughs> thing that we can applaud naughty dog for is working with ian alexander a trans actor to portray a trans character which mm-hmm. we don't get very often in any sort of medium whether it's tv movies or video games so i appreciate that they did that and I appreciate that they went to the length to do the representation. I just am with you read that there was a different way that they could have still told the story of Lev and Yara without going at it the way that they did. Speaking of, yeah, I don't think, I, yeah. That yeah. being said, yeah, Lev is, Lev's fa- fucking fantastic. Lev's great. What, uh, <laughs> Lev's like, great. I feel like Dina and Lev were like, Oh yeah. The shine, the, the shiny tier. lights, the way he was coaching. I would throw, I would throw Mel in there too. Really? Let's put a pin in that. Okay, okay, fair. She does some fucked up stuff, but I feel like overall she's good. But yeah, okay. I, we can universally agree that Dina and Lev are great. Yeah, yeah. and Jesse. Yes. Okay. And Jesse. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Lev's coaching and Abby over the heights and saying, you know, when you're your weakest is when you're strongest or all those motivational profit, cult, whatever stuff. Either way, <laughs> the way he was talking to her and 
the way that he had that little fun snippet when he was talking about the conversation she had with Owen. I don't know if it was after they fell out of the pool or, or when they fell in the pool or whenever it was. He was like, so what happened between you, you mean, and like, Owen? You mean like through the skylight? Yeah. yeah. It was, he oh, was, I don't know. Yeah. You fall in the He's pool. like, it sounded yeah. awkward or something like that. <laughs> like, it was really cute that you would expect from a little kid. Well, I don't know how old yeah. he was supposed to be. But, you know, just like, like a teenager. He yeah. was. Or how, how he was trying to learn how to use the word cool. And he said, oh, yeah, oh. that's cold. Oh, yeah, that's cold. cold. <laughs> and when he said fuck, and I was like, I don't think I've ever heard a scar, excuse me, certified say a fucker, a swear word. He's like, I've never said it before. It was just really cute. And I'm He's very so happy we have Lev. Thank you. Yeah. Lev is so pure. And I, I actually, because again, I'm mega nerd and like went book report style in this game afterwards. I like looked up the meaning of the word Lev uh-huh. uh, oh. or like the name. And in Hebrew, it means united or on a lot of other uh, languages, it just means lion. Um, but I like the, I like the United one the best. Yeah, uh, because I feel like Lev as a character really is the uniting factor for Abby. Like it brings her back to her roots, right? Like mm-hmm. say what you will about them, because the Fireflies obviously had their problems. But I do think in general the Fireflies were trying to be helpful. Um, I think they went around it misguided ways yeah. sometimes but and so I, I feel like abby intrinsically wants to help that's usually what that's what she's been brought up to do that's what her dad taught her to do her dad didn't teach her to go murder a dude at the <laughs> golf club her dad <laughs> taught her to help and so i think that's when when you're talking about the flashbacks there um brit and how she uh she pictures them hanging there because she knows that realistically they can't probably make it on their own especially with yara's arm the way it is yeah uh and then she thinks her dad it's like remembering that yeah she is that type of person and she needs to go back to like what she was before um and that's what i think is really powerful about both lev and yara as characters although i have to say i think yara is really dumb that she thought that her arm could just be set i'm like girl your bone is shattered oh yeah yeah someone just took a hammer to multiple parts of your arm i'm not a doctor but i'm gonna say it needs more than a setting (laughs) i agree with you simer that i think Abby just wants to help people. One of the the issues I had is I just found it hard to believe that she would... It's not that she necessarily betrayed her Salt Lake City group, but she went through all these lengths for two kids that she had never met before. And it it wasn't that she was such a good person on the inside that she wanted (laughs) to go through so much to help them. I mean, if so, that's great. But I feel like it wasn't really set up to be super believable. And there was one point point when Yara, I think, when they were on the island, was like, why are you doing this? And I was like, yeah, Abby, why are you doing this? Are you <laughs> yeah. just so we- hell on, on helping? And if that's the case, cool. But I've never really got Ooh. that feeling, that feeling from you. And she she lies to Nora about why she needs the drugs. And maybe she was doing that to protect Nora from the truth. But, uh, yeah. I, that I was, do think, yeah, I, I do think it's a little. Oh, sorry. I no, 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 no. I want, I want to know how you, how you ladies feel about that, too, if you picked up on that. No, I do think that it's a little thinner in motivation than some of the other things throughout the game. But I think you can still make the through line. It's just a little, a little <laughs> bit more of a route, like over the river. And Not the, the most woods. unbelievable thing in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Can we talk about how like shitty that whole bridge sequence is with the sniper and how Ugh. Abby's friend Manny, who's been with her for how many years, and they refer to him back, and he's in the flashbacks and yeah. this and this. She finally meets back up with him, and he's like fuck Abby, where have you been? What's been happening? Blah, blah, blah. And 
he's there to like support her and he just gets like popped by Tommy yep. and mm. she, there's like not even a moment he's the of Jesse re- there's no moment of remorse yeah he is he's the Jesse yeah. in Abby's storyline yeah not a moment of remorse on her part instead she's focused on Lev and I just like I don't believe it. I'm like, yeah, no, we all agree. Lev is great, but you just fucking met Lev like 24 fucking hours ago. (laughs) And Manny's been in your crew probably for how many years? We don't even know how long Manny's been in Abby's life because we don't know where Manny entered in before we met the Fireflies, you know, in in Colorado or whatever. It's just like, that to me was like a complete fuck up in the story. I was like, y'all, you're going to do him dirty like that? Yeah, yeah. Manny got Manny got the short end of the stick for sure, and very unceremoniously like knocked off Game of Thrones style. And there's a, <laughs> there's a few moments that you guys were referencing in this game where people we like just get like offed, and we don't get a second to think about it. And it's like on to the next. Like, oh, you're a new character. Oh, there's a dog. You kill it. Whatever. Move on. And it's just mm-hmm. it felt very. Like, there's lots of parts of the game that feel very slow and meticulous and methodical, and some that are effective in that way, and some that are very boring in that way. And then there's other parts where I feel like, okay, wait, give me a second. Like, just slow down. Let me think about this. If this is a story you want to tell, let me let me process it. Like, this, this may sound silly, but Alice, is, Alice getting off sucked. And, like, the fact that you live through it twice, and you see that dead dog twice, and I barely oh. get a second to think about it, really, really really made me sad like i was like i want to be able to mourn the the characters that you expected me to care about if you want me to throw a ball and have the dog catch it and then take the dog out and then give them instructions and then all of a sudden they're gone like if like let let me process the fact that they're dead please like you, you spent all this time building this up like give me a second to to deal with it and and i don't know the facing just felt a little bit off to me slow in some parts and too fast in others and, and that it gave me a bit of a whiplash, honestly. We all need a I moment mean, of silence what... for Shimmer, for yeah. Manny, and for, for Jesse, Alice. for and Alice, for <laughs> Alice, <laughs> for yes. fuck Nora. Just she was the best girl. <laughs> yeah, Nora, Nora's Nora's like whatever. She's yeah. she's. I'm indifferent. I'm apathetic to Nora. But yeah, Nora was yeah. rude. I see. I yeah. see what you're saying, yeah. Ree, but I also think. Um. It does mimic real life a little bit in a way. Yeah, true. In the sense that, like, there are uh, there are times in your life when things are slow. I would say right now might be one of them. Uh, and then, and then everything hits at once. Like, how many moments have you had in your life where you're like, "Why is all this happening to me?" Yeah, like in this short period of time, right? Yeah, like Fair. that's how life kind of goes, which is really unfortunate. <laughs> but it just feels that feels to me feels a little too on the nose of like truth and how things actually happen. Very like you fair. wouldn't necessarily have time to process, especially if like Tommy was still there. Yeah, so you're like, oh shit! Like I might be the one next to have a bullet in the brain. Like, gotta keep moving. Yeah. Timer, I'm so with you, and I would 100 percent believe you. But that entire argument undermines all of Abby and Ellie's motivations, right? Like, it, like to me, it's like th- they being so upset about this person who's been killed and then like, oh, I don't have time to stop and process all these other people. It's like, well, well, wait, what? <laughs> hold, on, hold on. So are we yeah. like being sad about people being dead that mean something to us or are we not being sad about it? And I think that that comes back to why there was like this constant tug of war with me of like, I want to be all the way in on this story, but I'm not. And we talked a little bit about this with, with Callie Plaggy, uh, excuse me, Plaggy on the um, Game of the Year So Far episode that we did with GameSpot about like, 
this idea of we really wanted to invest in these relationships, but there was just something that kept us at arm's length from going all the way in. And that to me just kept coming back. I just wanted, I just wanted there to be like that moment of like a brief respite to like acknowledge some of those emotions. And there just wasn't. Sure. I would argue that the, the idea of you, you saying like, are they mad about it or are they not like what, like this needs to continue. I think maybe I, I felt very connected to both Abby and Ellie's motivation in this, not in the murderous sense, but <laughs> in the, in the justice sense. And I feel like that's why this game has been so special for me. Cause I went through this moment and you were there with me. Um, when I did feel very justified in my actions and I wanted the other person to f- have their comeuppance mm-hmm. and they never did. And, like, I eventually had to let that go, but it took a long time. Mm. It took longer than I am proud to say. Like, I'm not going to say how long it took because it took too long. But, like, and so that, for me, mirrored for that. So I was like, it's not even about them being angry, and it's not about the hatred that they have for this other person. It is about a sense of justice that they are correct and that they have to see it through. And I've felt that before, right? I feel like, I mean, maybe we maybe we haven't all, but I, I felt it for a long time. And so that to me was why I was like, I completely understand it, even though they may be moving on. Like Manny getting shot in the head, there's nothing I could, you're just like, shit. All right. Uh, I was going to plan, I was planning on killing this guy anyway, right? Like you're going to kill, you're trying to go kill Tommy regardless. Yeah. Now you just have a little bit more of a motive push to go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, so that's you know, how I kind of thought about it. It's interesting, too, because I just went through grieving. I mean, I'm still going through, obviously, a few months ago with something incredibly traumatic that happened in my family. And I don't know. Obviously, everyone deals with grief differently. But I remember, like, the getting the phone call that something terrible had happened. And it wasn't until, I think, a couple days later that I finally, like, broke down and cried. Because I think what happens is your body goes into that fight or flight and obviously, I'm not in the middle. I mean, maybe we're in the middle of a pandemic. Hmm. But we're not in the middle of, like, a fungal apocalypse. And people aren't turning into, like, clickers. And not, not everything has 100% yeah. gone to shit. I mean, we're on our way there, but we're not there yet. <laughs> 2020 is great, y'all. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting. So I agree, like, as the player, I'm thinking about it. I wanted that moment for Shimmer. I wanted that moment for Jesse and Manny and Alice. But thinking about just real life grieving, that sometimes you don't have time for that. And sometimes you can't let yourself feel those emotions because you have to keep pushing through and living off that adrenaline. So I think pulling in for some real life experience, it's like, okay, like I think yeah. I can understand it a little bit more. Yeah, I get but that. As a player, yeah. like, yeah, you, you want that moment. Yeah, as the player, you want the time, but like it doesn't necessarily make sense in terms of the story. And the game does make cuts afterwards where like you don't see it. Like, um, Abby on the boat ride down to Santa Barbara could have had her moments of grief for all of those people mm-hmm. that she that she knew. We just didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah. That's yeah. A good point. We had to go through another loot section where we kill more infected for whatever reason. Like like and that I think comes back to how how I feel about certain moments of the game. No, like, here's the thing. Like I'm just wondering which part you're talking about. I, I'm talking about <laughs> literally all of Santa Barbara. Yeah. Like, with the exception of when Ellie and Abby actually get meet face to face, and like that is like a like, that whole sequence mm. is an incredible thing. We 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 did skip over the th- part in the theater where you play as oh, Abby yes. and you have to attack oh Ellie, my God. which oh, I God. fucking hated. Oh, yes. I hated every so moment bad. of that with my fucking bean. <sighs> um, yes. 
Yes. I think but my like, biggest issue with that whole fight was seeing Allie, Allie, wow, I just combined both of their names, <laughs> Ellie, succumb to the AI mechanics. Yeah. I was like, no. I was like, girl, you know that broken bottle behind you is a distraction? You know that's not really me? Don't like suddenly whip around be like, what's that? And like walk toward <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, know? I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, that was like, the thing it was, that took it me was out of the most. Like that, that yeah. to me, like if I don't mind them having a fight between Abby and Ellie exist, I wanted it to be a cutscene. Mm-hmm. I did not want to yes. play that shit. I, I, the most I would want to play is like maybe like a little stealth section and then it goes straight into cutscene. And then maybe there's a couple of quick time events. That's it. The way that they made the us play it out, I thought was a poor choice and I did not like any moment of it. Hmm. Yeah, I only liked the moments where it did go into like cutscene-ish things. Like when, yeah, like when yeah. you got to that moment where it would then play out through. So I definitely agree with you that I think it would have been stronger to... <laughs> To not see Ellie kind of act like a fool. <laughs> uh, you can't just put your normal AI mechanics on Ellie. She's the fucking hero of the story. What yeah. the hell? They, yeah. they, they, no, they that's just fair. slapped that AI brain on her for a hot minute. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> Have oh, you not dear. learned anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think like there's, there's moments like that that prevented this game from being the masterpiece I, I see people calling it. Because I think we can all agree that this game is a phenomenal piece of work. Yes. Amazing on so many levels. And it's going to stick with us all a really long time. There was just a couple things, a couple choices here and there that I'm like, hey, you kind of fucked that up. (laughs) And like, (laughs) this game would have been really cool. And like, I think it's a testament that I walked away from my playthrough so angry about this game and really being mad about a lot of things and upon reflection the more i think about it the deeper i go the more i'm like that was actually way more profound than i allowed myself to realize in the moment and i was way more upset than when i look back and go you know like i probably didn't need to be as upset about that one particular thing but there's still a couple things that i'm not letting go of being upset and i think but some- we've seen andrea we've seen what that does to you <laughs> let them go but I'm not I, I'm not filled with hatred. So yeah, um, <laughs> I do want to talk about I do want to talk about Santa Barbara, though, to kind of like, yeah, we, I feel like we should talk about the farm before we talk about Santa yes, Barbara. Yes, agreed. Yes. So let's talk about the let's let, let's just get to the end of the game. Right. Yeah. So yes. we we so have what, I, what happened. So let's say remind you like the theater right a little the bit. Farm. Yeah. So we're at the theater. Right. So where Abby comes to confront ellie mm-hmm. and dina is there this is like where we see jesse get murdered and yeah um that's right there's that like the awkward i thought tommy scene. was dead by the way i, did I thought too. tommy was dead too the I fact that too. like he came back i was like well i literally texted greg and i was like what the fuck tommy's still alive i agree yeah, that that was like looking rough but you, yeah you guys shot him in a way that he probably would definitely be yeah dead. i was like where did you shoot him i thought you shot him in the head but i guess not well even if he got shot almost anywhere other than like like grazed on the arm or the leg like in the apocalypse you would die yeah no access to blood no access to antibiotics like, people don't even have condoms well, they, like they they're not gonna survive a gunshot <laughs> excellent point re yes Re coming in with with the uh, with the knowledge. Can everyone so, else still see Re? Yes. Yes. Okay, her camera's gone for me. Oh well, hopefully Rip. it comes back momentarily. It's all um, good. So we the kind of end sequence of the game is 
you know, we're on the island. We're saving Lev. Lev is going to run for his mom. And we're like, no, Lev, that bitch hates you. Like, you need to let her go. <laughs> oh, you um, mean as Abby. The last bit is when Abby. When you're as Abby, right? Yeah. And then so you you get off the island with Lev and... Um, God, Come back fucking. to the aquarium. Yara, though. Oh, God. I know. Oh, yeah. I know. There's so much in this game. We've already been talking for like almost two hours. Fucking Yara gets it unfairly. It's not fair. They all got it unfairly. Yara's yes. been through so much, too. You poor Yara, baby girl. I like, just think of everything Abby had to go through to keep Yara alive. And then I was like, bitch, you're going to fucking kill her now? I was so <laughs> mad at the game. I was like, table flip. Yep. <laughs> I'm done with this game. I had to like fight a weird monster in the basement that was going to eat my face off to get some fucking antibiotics so I could saw her arm off and now you're going to kill her the next <laughs> yeah, day? Yeah, I know. God. Oh, I know. Yeah. That was messed up. What you asshole. <laughs> so mad. So at the end of this day, uh, Jesse is dead. Yara is dead. We think Tommy is maybe dead. Dina's been shot. <laughs> let's not forget. Yeah. Um, Ellie got her ass clearly kicked by Abby. But for some reason, Abby's like, fuck these bitches. I will let you live. I mean, that's a Lev thing, too, right? Like, yeah, because she Abby has like the knife at um, Dina's throat. And she's like, wait, no, she's pregnant. And she says, good. And I was like, (gasps) like, I literally gasped like that because I was like waiting (laughs) for the knife to go. And I was like, no, god damn it. And then Lev being like, Abby. And you're like. Oh shit! It's like it's like yeah. disappointed dad at you, like you disappointed know, like, dad. Just like <laughs> what are God you doing? That. And and then you can see Abby kind of be like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah, right. what am I doing? Because at that point, Lev is Lev is entirely Abby's moral compass. Like he is the only thing keeping her mm-hmm. wound together at that point. Yeah, Lev Lev takes over was... for Owen after Owen, you know, yeah. finds it. Yeah, say that was the second hardest scene for me next to joel is seeing dina come out and having her face fucking smashed in i was like oh my god that was that was tough that was a rough i did not like damn it okay so yeah this whole this whole game is just fucking rough like i mean all of it was just like it's a it's a lot and like the moments of levity that i told steimer afterwards i was like (laughs) i'm mad at you you lied to me these moments of levity were not enough there's some dark ass shit in this there is definitely some dark ass shit in this game and i I laugh because again i'm like i think it was just me looking on it and being like there were a lot of moments where i laughed and there were a lot of moments where i had a really good time and there were a lot of really quiet beautiful moments but then watching you replay it i was like oh (laughs) <laughs> there is a lot of bad things back to back i guess it's like let me yeah. open up that Oops. that inventory and Oops. look at my drawings again because yeah. i'm sad and i think that's what's really kind of tragic about it which we can maybe kind of talk about final thoughts of the game afterwards i do want to talk about the yeah. the end two sequences because i do have some overall thoughts that i would like to touch on but so we we've we've kind of recapped like the action and like this is to me like to me I think this is the end. Like I'm like this has got to be the fucking end, mm. right? And then we yeah. <laughs> leave this scene where Abby, where Love and Abby walk away, and Dina and Ellie walk away, and we're like people have lost on both sides. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's kind of broken more so than they already were. <laughs> like this has got to be the fucking end. And then we get to this amazing sequence at the farm, and it was funny oh. because at first I was like. Wait, do I have to really play? Do I have to really play something on the farm? And John, who's watching my whole playthrough, is like, "This is really a Red Dead Redemption Two moment happening right now." <laughs> we really like having like an epilogue on the fucking farm. We're gonna yep. have to go like milk your a cow. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, they only made you chase sheep. But it was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But like, I didn't want to play anything else, but we have this really like touching, fantastic human mm. moment between Dina and Ellie. And I love that they're like, these are two women that are happy and they have their baby and he's named JJ, presumably Joel Jesse or Jesse Joel. We don't know. The only thing Neil Druckmann has confirmed is that one of the J's is not junior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he publicly tweeted uh, that. Um, but uh. that would be weird. Junior Joel or Junior Jesse. I don't know why people thought it was like, I guess people were like, oh, it's it's Jesse Jr. or it's Joel Jr. It's like, no, it's Joel oh, no, Jesse. It's Joel Jesse. Yeah, obviously. Joel. Yeah. Um, the doy. And so <laughs> I really, I really love that they're like, hey, we want to still re- remind people that they're, the, these relationships are the driver for all of this, all of this hurt, all of this anger, everything is to have this, this semblance of normalcy and this reminder that like we still have this, this human connection, this bond. And it was like a really beautiful moment that I was like, this would be a perfect way to end the game. My favorite part of the like, game. Fuck you. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I thought and they then, for sure were going to end Tommy. it. And then Tommy and his busted ass walk in. I was like, Tommy, oh you're supposed God. to be dead. I know. And I was like, Tommy's still alive. And then all, and then when he starts going off on it, I was like, you know what, Tommy, fuck you. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it was so hard for Ellie to even let go in the moment before she has to fight Abby and to be like, I guess it has to be fine. And she doesn't fully let it go there. Yeah. But right. she just has to try and move forward. And she's trying so hard to move forward. And then Tommy fucking pulls her back. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you bastard and it's only because you're you can't go like your legs broke or whatever the hell i don't know you got a limp now your eye can't work like you can't go fight this girl ellie can barely fight this girl she already lost once um so that's what i was yeah i was very upset i love the way dina stood up for her though yeah dude dina dina fire Waifu for a game yeah, of year discussion. She's like, do not don't forget you dare when Dina come back to the house with that shit. But yeah, I want to go back like to it. when they were si- when Ellie was sitting on the tractor with JJ, and there was that beautiful sunset. Mm. And I almost expected Arthur Morgan or John Marston to trot along the Alaska <laughs> you know, <but> <laughs> eggs. That would have been great. Uh, she was talking to JJ. I thought that was going to be like. Well, then I realized it wasn't a cutscene, and I could have gotten off any time of the tractor. But I was like, this would have been a beautiful way, I thought, mm-hmm. to have ended the game. You know, granted, it clearly was not. There's clearly a lot of shit that still needed to happen. Oh, but I remember watching that, and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. Ellie's reflecting. She got far the fuck away. Like, she's middle of nowhere. She's trying to heal. She has this beautiful new purpose, which is little JJ to live for. And then, like you said, oh, no, there comes Tommy. But, foiled. Uh, mm. Damn, I honestly oil. like I'm still I'm still mad like they could have had that ending and it, to me it wouldn't have been a perfect ending because like I think a lot of people died that didn't need to die and I think that they still could have said a lot of things about humanity and the way that we process emotions including grief and anger and it still could have had a nice resolution but no they're like nah we want to make you feel lower than we've already made <laughs> you feel we're gonna keep dragging Sometimes- you down the rock bottom you think is rock bottom is not actually. There's but like why? <laughs> but like why? Why do you need to tell that story? Was my thing. But like okay, let's continue on. Yeah, we'll yeah. get there in a second. Yeah. Sure. Um. So, so Dina, understandably, comes in and is like, "Fuck you, Tommy. Mm-hmm. I had my life. I'm here. It's already hard enough to raise a fucking baby. In case you forgot, like raising a baby, fucking hard in the best of times." <laughs> Even double, triple, quadruple hard in the apocalypse in the worst of times mm-hmm. when, like, oh, my, my wifey is broken as fuck in a variety of ways and is suffering from these PTSD uh, flashbacks. And, like, they have one of those moments with Ellie in the barn oh, right? after she d- d- so goes scary. to the sheep. And 
And yeah, I mean, like, but that, like, that, I think they did a great job of really demonstrating what kind of trauma people go through. Yeah. When, when PTSD is a real thing, right? And like, clearly, Ellie is going to be struggling yeah. for a long time. She, she doesn't get to be on drugs. She doesn't get to be on, go to therapy and have somebody to talk to. And she doesn't get to have those mental health resources that, we have today and like i think that that is indicative of like a lot of people in the world do not have access mm. to mental therapies that will help them process really traumatic shit that happens to them mm-hmm. and i appreciate them kind of having this moment of being like yo like mental health is real and she's going to be processing and dealing with this for a long time i don't think anybody is disputing that ellie has gone through and seen some shit <laughs> Um, I think that the part that I was just really frustrated with is that it was clear that she was in a better place, even though she was clearly struggling with her demons. And then they're like, you know what? We're just going to give her this decision to to keep going. Let's just pile on, you know? And yeah. obviously after hearing from Tommy that he found out where Abby and Lev are, she's like, well, I got to clearly go after this bitch because mm-hmm. my life hasn't been hurtful enough bring on the pain yeah she's Sigh. doing what abby did right she's yeah. thinking that yeah. the death will give her some catharsis or yep. some healing in some way when it won't um and obviously abby learned that lesson but ellie hasn't learned that lesson yet and so yeah. i think i mean i think I, I personally i actually would not have liked it if they ended at the farm because i think that there would it would have felt a little unresolved to me because you wouldn't really have known what was going on with abby or love you wouldn't, you'd just be kind of like, and we ended it. But Bye. ignorance is bliss, Simer. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. Thank you. <laughs> I would have been okay with playing like out the, the, the healing and the trauma and the process that Ellie goes through at the farm as the third game. But I like little mental dramas. So I'm, yeah. I'm probably in the minority there. Yeah. But so are we just like talking through the next? Yeah. Bit, or? Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. Through Santa Barbara. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then they flash forward. At, Tommy's told Ellie about where he believes Abby is. Um, Ellie follows. You you only play for Abby is like ten minutes in this section. Mm-hmm. Um, her and Lev are going through to this address, like a hot tip or whatever they've gotten about where fireflies might be in Santa Barbara. They find a radio in this house, and um, finally, after oh god, that was also really heartbreaking to have Abby going through calling all the different yeah. radio mm-hmm. signals just praying that anybody picks up on anywhere um and finally it does and they're like we're on catalina mm-hmm. come to catalina and you can be part of us whatever you th- then obviously you think you're going to be able to get out and then these goddamn other rattlers, assholes a whole new rattlers faction. come over <laughs> yeah exactly a whole new faction comes out Could of nowhere cut those assholes from the game and uh well i mean they served a purpose but yeah it was basically the purpose is to keep abby where she's at to break her down further and to then have ellie too. go there Just too yeah i mean no matter where you go people human nature man band together try to put the law in your own hands and uh, i don't know yeah i don't think they technically say how long it is before ellie catches up to abby but it's been a little bit yeah um, i think it's been a couple of months i feel right? like a couple months yeah sounds right um and and Elle, you go on this little whatever journey as ellie to try and track down abby who is in uh the the rattlers <laughs> den if yes, you will i will i had a little bit of fun here by um because oh. they're the weirdo types who like chained up yes clip uh clickers and yeah. i would just shoot at the um 
the, the bindings and, and then let them go. go. And that was very satisfying, yes. I have to say, <laughs> watching them get eaten by clickers. Um, but- I loved it because I had the pr- uh, invincibility when you're prone on. And so yep. I would just yeah. kind of like let them go and like kind of like scoot around and watch the mayhem unfold <laughs> like from the first person perspective. But the problem was, is sometimes that didn't work. And clickers would get me. The stalkers yeah. would get me. Uh, apparently, I wasn't always. They invisible. said it invisible, not inaudible. Oh, mm. well, no! I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I was like, well, I, I was know. like, I don't know because I, I was just sitting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Still, and a fucking stalker would come up and smack my face, and then uh, yeah, the- but the stalkers. It doesn't matter. The stalkers don't. They, they, they can find you no matter what. The stalkers are the worst. Well, ones. clearly, because yeah. the humans can't find me, the clickers can't find me, the normals, the normal zombies Dude. can't find me, or the infected. The but ones, the stalkers, that were man, in the wall in the <gasps> basement yes. of the hospital. Those oh. were really bad. The, Fuck like, those guys. Yeah, those were. Those were <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, no fun. That was fun, Simon. Letting them go buck wild and kill everyone. That was great. Yeah. Um. But then obviously this all leads up to like the final Abby Ellie showdown where, yeah. I mean, this was a fight. I really, I just literally was like, I don't want to do this. I feel physically sick. Like, yep. Having to hit this button. Um, I think the, the misdirection was interesting when you go down to the beach and you see somebody with long hair thinking that's going to be Abby and it's not yeah. mm-hmm. the uh, braid, the one with the braid. Like, the braid. Has, I think it's just a ponytail, but yeah, like somebody has long hair. And so you go to it because you've, you've visually associated a long braid or a long thing of some kind with Abby. Because Abby's had, the, the braid yeah. was like a visual representation of mm-hmm. Abby's age in multiple sequences. Yeah, like, she had the same yeah, hair style for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. You know, I knew something um, was a little weird though. When Ellie went down there and you hear Abby mutter, very helpless, help me. And she goes behind her, she cuts her down and Abby's like, the, there's boats here. There's boats down here. And Ellie just kind of stares at her. And, and I think at that moment, Ellie's probably processing, like, okay, I've gotten here. Now what do I do? Or was Ellie at that point also considering, like, why am I doing this? I thought it was interesting that she didn't immediately go for her. Why did she cut her down and let her get to the boat? Like, what do you think? Because I think, I mean, when you get there, so this is where I, I parallel it back to Owen's arc. So when Owen is talking to Abby in the boat, he's talking about how he came across a scar. And the scar had no fight left in him. And the mm-hmm. scar was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to mm-hmm. fight you. And he couldn't. And he was like, he couldn't do it. He was like, I couldn't pull a trigger on somebody who clearly had no ill will toward me or was not going to do me any harm. Mm. And I think that that's the, mo- that's the moment Ellie has. And she's taken aback by it because she sees Abby, who was at one. The last time she saw Abby Abby was a powerhouse. Yeah. She was really strong, really ripped, a lot of anger, a lot of fuel. The woman she cuts down is not the same. The woman mm-hmm. she cuts down is not only considerably slimmer because she was deteriorated by being there. She can't get her gains. Uh, and then her hair. she's, you know, like her hair is gone. But not only has her hair, like you can see there's no fight left yeah. in her. She's got nothing at this point. All she has is Lev. Yeah. And so that's why she immediately goes to Lev. And her priority, Abby's priority, is get Lev out. She doesn't care. that. Like tech, The last thing Abby said to Ellie was, I'll kill you if I ever see you again. That's gone. Abby doesn't actually give a shit about that anymore. <laughs> Abby has bigger issues at hand. And she, at some point, I think probably through the help of Lev, has learned to let that go. Um, whereas Ellie is still on it. But I think she's just, she's shaken because she had such conviction and then she got there and realized, I wah, think she wah. is starting, like, she starts to struggle with it of, like, maybe this isn't right. I don't know what's going on. This person clearly doesn't want to fight me. She's being helpful, actually. 
What do I do? That she's yeah, being helpful. Like, like, you have, like, she, she wanted that fight, but she... I feel like if if Ellie had stumbled across Abby the way she was earlier in the game, she would have just, like, taken advantage of the fact that she's, like, strung up, that she's helpless. She would have probably just massacred her. But it was interesting. You're right that she did let her down. It's like she wanted that fight. She wanted to prove to herself, like, I need to win this. I need to win this right to feel, I don't know, this sense of relief or, or resolve or whatever, what resolution. It was fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fight, and then the, and you do see Ellie eventually. She turns full villain, right? When she puts the knife at Lev's throat, and she mm. says, "Yes, you'll fight me, yeah, because I'll kill him otherwise." Um, and I mean, that's, Abby's just like, "Oh my fuck, like for real, dude, like come on." <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that, that honestly, that 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 that's why I think I really just did not like any of the way the game ended because it was like very clear to me that. I was over it as the player. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in Santa Barbara. I'm fucking done with this. Like, this has been so emotionally exhausting. I hate that I you made me play through these stupid gameplay sequences with these rattlers, fucking fucks that I don't <laughs> give a shit about. And now I have to, like, go through this, like, harrowing thing where Abby is clearly beaten down. Like, that should be enough for for Ellie. And it's just like, oh, cool. We're going to do this, like, fight in the water. And, like, ugh. But I, I thought it was really, I didn't like it in the sense that like, I didn't like how it made me feel. I didn't like having to go through with it. But I did think it was interesting um, because you can see the dynamic of both of them kind of not being into it, right? Like they're yeah. like, we're doing this, oh. but it's almost going through the motions. And so one of the things I really looked at and dissected back was the flashbacks that Ellie has. Yes. She's always flashing back to dark. Uh, she flashes back to dark every single time until she doesn't, until the very last moment. Then she flashes back to the light, Joel on the porch. That's when she stops. And that's when she realizes, I think she actually has that moment of letting it go in a way. And she's like, oh, holy shit. Like, I don't need to do this. I don't need to kill her. I don't need to kill him in the boat. Like, we can move. I can maybe move on from this. And I didn't think that I could. And I think that that you don't really get the full impact of that until the actual cutscene plays later. Mm-hmm. Um. When it when it goes through and it shows like that Joel scene on the porch is her finally saying, I don't think I can forgive you, but I'm willing to try. And like the whole element. And that's the same way she probably feels about Abby. Right. Like, I don't think like, she's like, I would never forgive her is probably what Ellie would have always said. I, w- I can never forgive you for what you've done. Same as she told to Joel. And then thinking back on that moment, remembering she was willing to try there. And in this instance, you have to be willing to try as well. Because there's nothing good that's going to come of following through with this action that you're you're on, um, and I thought that that was so remarkable and well done that even though I didn't like the fight or how like my feelings yeah. in the fight, I, I thought it was important and I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting the way that it made you play through that. Yeah, it's interesting you're talking about the flashbacks because when Abby does get to the boat and she's loading Levin, Ellie goes to the second boat and you kind of get the sense like, is she just going to let her go? Yeah. As Abby's going through her backpack, she does get that one split second dark flashback to Joel dead on the ground. And it's at that moment, I believe, that she grabs her knife and then she walks over and she holds it to Lev's throat. Abby says he's not a part of this. Ellie says you've made him a part of it. And then I want to fight you. They fight. And then, yeah, I I got the exact same feeling as when she's holding after Abby bit two of her fingers off. Uh, Ellie's <laughs> yeah. holding her Yikes. under the water. And you just see Ellie's blood coming. And the, I would encourage you, if you haven't looked, seen it again, look at that scene again and watch the facial expressions on Ellie. It's not even so much anger. It's more sadness. It's more of like 
I, this is everything I thought I wanted and thought I needed. But you almost see her breaking down right in that moment. And then it's at that moment where she does have that flashback of Joel. Split second, just smiles at her while he's playing guitar on his uh, porch. And that was, I agree, Simon, like when she had that moment of, okay, like, I, th- I think she got what she needed. I think she, I don't know if anything would have helped Ellie. I mean, granted, if she was in this kind of modern day world where we do have access to things like medication, if you need it, or therapy or whatnot, maybe that would have helped her. But in that world that she was living in, I don't think anything would have cured her or made her feel better other than getting that moment. And I think it happened. And I think that's when she's like, okay, I can let this go. I've won. That was also more of my inter- interpretation of it. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> mm. Mm. Re or Re or Andrea, any other thoughts on that moment? Re. Yeah. Um I hated that fight. I hated the how well they did the audio of cutting Abby's arms. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> but uh, at this point like and and this is just a, a thing that I have with the game in general. It's not the game I wanted to play right now. I'm I'm already down. Like there's already a lot of shit that I feel this low about going on in the real world. I didn't want this emotional cutting in a video game, and so for it to go that deep and and to cut that effectively, I just it it was well done, and I hated it. And that's kind of where I am <laughs> with the whole game, right? Like, it was very Thank well you. done, that's and I did exactly not enjoy it. It's well done shit. It, it was just very well done, and I did not enjoy it. Like, and, <laughs> and I think the game is very successful in what it aimed to do, and I did not have a good time. And, and that's kind of what I think they were going for. Like, and it's just unfortunate that this comes on the heels of everything going on in the world, in my life, in like COVIDs, in like it's just I felt really fucking shitty at the end of it. And I know that's sort of a device to tell their story. It just sucks that that's the device that they use because I would rather not feel that shitty, you know. So. That's kind of how I felt at the end of that fight. I, similarly to how you felt, Andrea, going into maybe like the last ten or so encounters, I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want this. But okay, I'll see what they got to say, and and what they had to say was poignant and and true to life, and you know, very real and very easy to connect with. And I, I didn't want it. And that's kind of the long and short of it. I think everybody obviously is is different in the, in that regard, though, because. But I, when I was playing it, even considering everything that's happening in the world, I found catharsis in it somehow. Like I found it to be almost comforting in a weird, really bizarre way. I don't exactly know how to articulate it, but that's what I, I felt with at the ending because I think because the ending to me is so hopeful. I mean, yes, the cost of it was insanely high, and you go back to that room where Dina has shoved all of ellie's stuff and locked it away basically so she doesn't have to see it and ellie sits down to try and play and she can't because she's missing two of her fingers yeah um and but even then again when you when you end on the joel and the ellie interaction of like i can't forgive you but i'm willing to try that for me was just so hopeful and it was so hopeful that ellie didn't kill abby and she still had something good in her and and then when you add on top of the thing like the the um i want to say cutscene that's not the word for it the credit not credits god damn it the, the continue epilogue? screen yeah the continue yeah. screen oh, um yeah. where you see it's catalina island yes and mm. so that means that abby and love did make it and so in my mind i'm like ellie might be wandering off to be alone for a little while 
but I, I have to believe she's going back to Dina. Like at some point or another, she's going to find her way back there. And she's going to hope to have that similar conversation with Joel where Dina's like, I don't know. I can't forgive you, but I'm willing to try. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like, there's a few lines in this game where I'm like, these are kind of the main points of it. I think that's one of them. Uh, I think another one is when Abby says to love, you're my people. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very important theme throughout the entire game is who is in your group and who do you associate with and who do you deem as good and versus bad um and then the the other one that i think was really important is owen talking to abby when um she asks like what you know what happened to us and he says i think we forgot to look for the light and like that to me was the also really impactful and t- ties into the flashbacks that ellie is always having that are usually very dark and very negative um until the very end where it starts to finally flash back to the, to the happier memories and to the happier times. Um, so that was kind of like my blanket thoughts on a lot of that, but I know that it's a little, um, academic for some. Yeah, no, those are good thoughts. Those are good. No, it's great. I, I love, I love both, both of the things that you said, re and that you said Steimer. And I think that, this is why I've been really struggling to kind of grapple with my emotions on it because I 100% believe what you're saying, Stem, of like this has got such a bigger narrative of how we as humans like interact with each other and like the idea of what forgiveness means and what anger means and letting go and revenge and all of these like things that we all have dealt with at some point in our lives and have touch points for us. And I think it's a great, like overall, like look at human character. But Re, I just, I'm with you in the sense that like now is just not the fucking time. <laughs> and it's not Naughty Dog's fault that the world broke bad in the year that they decided to delay their game, right? Yeah. Like it's not their fault, but at the same time, they chose they willfully chose to tell a really dark story and to tell that story with really dark elements through dark storytelling that was visceral and violent. And did it need to be, did it need to be as dark and dangerous as it was? Probably not. And it's been tough because I've seen some of the criticism of my thoughts on the game that I've said publicly being like, well, Andrea, you know, you need to separate your feelings on what's happening in the world from what's happening in this game. And I kind of want to be like, yo, fuck you. No, I, I don't. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, I like I can't, right? Like, I can't separate what's happening in my life around me and the emotion that I feel in this moment from the emotion that this piece of media is trying to make me feel. And I think that's what's tough about it because this is not a biopic. This is not like a true life story of tragedy that happened to somebody in real world. This isn't about a war story. This isn't a real thing. This is a completely 100% fabricated story that they are using as a, a as a device to convey so, uh, some statement about humanity. And like, I think there will be many, many a thesis on what Naughty Dog was trying to say about humanity in The Last of Us Part Two. To me, that what that means is that this is not required playing because it's not a real story that we should learn from and grow from as a species of humanity. To me, this means that that to me means that you think you wouldn't learn or grow from fiction books. No, no. Let me finish my thought. Okay. The reason I say that is, I, I echo what I said last week: is that this game is fucking heavy. 
it's hard. And I think that letting people know that there's moments of levity is important, but letting people know, as Rihanna said, that there are intense moments of triggering trauma that happen in this game is equally, if not more important. And I was angry last week for not last week, but the week before for a variety of reasons, because I felt like a lot of reviewers who were in that first wave of talking about the last of us part two did not accurately tell people this game is going to fuck you up. This game has some really deep emotional cuts that it's going to give you. And maybe right now when you're super vulnerable and shit's hard and you're feeling maybe anxious more than you normally would, it's not the time to go down a journey about a completely fictional story that just happens to have something to say about the character of humanity. And that's where I got mad. I was like, nobody fucking told me that this was going to be as heavy as it was supposed to be. And I think we all knew it was going to be heavy, but Sorry. I just, <laughs> I mean, like, and I, and I did, I had a moment where I was mad at the time where I was like, you lied to me. <laughs> no, it's like, what you told me it would be fun. It wasn't fun. <laughs> Don't get mad because I, I'm with Steimer in the sense that I played this game essentially over the weekend. I did have about 10 hours in when I started and I did also get that sense of, it was cathartic almost. And I did not expect that. In fact, I kind of avoided this game as long as I possibly could. <laughs> Because I, I have been, it's been a fucking tough year for a variety of reasons, obviously for all of us. But playing it, I don't know if it's the way I interact with video games. Obviously, there are some very heavy moments, but I think everyone is just a little different in the way that, you know, games affect them. And absolutely, absolutely, like, like uh, Andrea and Ree, like 100% understand where you're coming from, like totally get it. But yeah, for me, and it sounds like for Simer too, there is just something about it and I can't also articulate a summer I don't know what it is but it's something about it was like oh yeah like it got my mind off of shit and while it was heavy I think I was able to separate enough like this is fictional like this is intense as fuck but I was able to lose myself in that game for a while and I don't get stressed out when it comes to survival horror stuff and the stealth mechanics like none of that bothers me and I don't know if that had anything to do with it but um yeah like I would say like give this game a shot and if you're like, this is not for me right now, like, by all means, stop. But you also might find that there might be some sense of comfort there, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, uh, I weird. don't know. I, I can't, I cannot, I cannot recommend this game to anybody who is not ready emotionally to go in knowing that they're going to be triggered in some way. Like, I feel like, I feel like I would be doing a disservice to anybody. And like I said last time, it was like, you need to know going in that this game has like super heavy shit. And like if you're this deep into the spoiler cast and that wasn't clear, <laughs> let me just drive it home yeah, I'm again. Like, I'm this like, you might want to give it a try. I'm like, this is a spoiler cast. They they should have already played it by now. Yeah, oh, yeah like, that's true. I forgot. This is a spoiler <laughs> cast. Well, yeah, there I you was, go. I was like, also like, yeah, if you, if you haven't played it and you made it this deep, like – that's Either don't said. play it at all, and like you, we <laughs> told you everything that, that happens. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> or like if you're if you're if you're, I like though that our group has like representing different sides of how we have emotionally dealt with this, and yeah. I think that this is a great time for us to kind of move into final thoughts mm -hmm. on how we felt about the game overall. Mm -hmm. um, so, Steimer, I feel like you've had the most amount of time. Not that I feel definitively you've yes. had the most amount of time uh, to sit with your feelings on on your playthrough what are your kind of final thoughts on the last of us part two i think that so far to date no video game has made me think this much about the themes throughout it 
um, it really did in a lot of ways feel like I was either too, I mean, this sounds, this is going to sound negative and it's not because I like doing these types of things, but it's just who I am. Like, I felt like a little bit like a book report and like, mm-hmm. but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any I sense. It, yeah. I was like really into it actually. And I just sat there. I read things. I read into things that Neil Druckmann himself was like, that was, no, we didn't intend that, but I guess, <laughs> I guess you're fine. Like, but I had this whole thing with the moth and the firefly, like the fact that, Ellie's tattoo is moths. Moths are very drawn to the light. There's mm. a lot of light parallels that you see throughout the game. Um, the farm is like very light. And then the one darkness, like where you walk into the dark corners where she has the trigger flashback. There's a lot of stuff like that. You can like really nitty gritty go into, but now I'm like, well, Neil said the moth thing was not intentional <laughs> and they just like thought it was cool. So That's maybe, right. I, maybe I'm just, you're just nerdy for narrative. Timer. Yeah. I Yes. Am. Yes. Yeah. Oh, out. Brittany's wearing the old school nerdy for narrative shirt. Brit, I did not know that you even still had that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's amazing. You can't get that anymore. It was limited edition. Yeah, it's no special. longer on sale. It's fancy. Mm. Um, but, but continue, please. But yeah. So, so I really got to sit and I think my, my experience is obviously a lot different than all of yours in a multitude of ways. One, I was playing it when no, when almost nobody else was. Two, I had gone into it fairly blind. Three, I live alone. I kind of was just able to really sit with it and to really, and like I said, I've journaled through it and I, I feel like that experience was so interesting to me and so cathartic for me in a lot of ways and really just helped me process and think about I think it actually just helped remove me from myself in a way. And I was thinking more about what these people would be feeling and, and how I would, how I would feel in their shoes. And it, it got me into a mental headspace that games very rarely do. And if a fact, I actually don't know if any game has ever made me go this far down that rabbit hole. Um, and so f- to me, I know you said Andrea before, like to you, it's not a masterpiece to me. It is. And it is for that reason. Yes, there are flaws with this game. And I think we've discussed some of them like on spoiler cast but to me the overall thing that i am left with is something that i have never experienced before and like to me i can't like put a price on that or i can't i can't put anything on that like that it it just is what it is and it's for me i like i feel like this has to be my game of the year regardless of how good anything else is because even if there are phenomenal games and polished to perfection i don't think they'll make me sit and think like this one did Damn girl, word. I like that. Word. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I think. I are mean, you ready to give your th- final thoughts then, Britt? Is that where you're? Yeah, going? yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm ready. I think. Okay. As term as far as um a ga- a video game goes, a video game. I think there are some flaws, and I think some things could have been cut. Like we talked about some narrative decisions that I think would prevent me from rating this as a video game like god of war is a video game in terms of like masterpiece but again like simer said it's kind of in the eye of the beholder and i'm with her with her that i have never sat on a game like this i've never been drawing parallels like this and thinking about what this could mean what that could mean i literally sat in the bathtub last night for like an hour and a half and turned into a fucking prune looking up theories <laughs> and looking on reddit and re watching scenes to try to see like what i could draw together and I mean, I'll do that shit for like Resident Evil, but that's just like, you know, lore stuff. But this is more like abstract, more outside the box. Like, what can you pull from this? And more importantly, like, what can you learn from it as a human? And, and what is the cycle of revenge? And how do you stop that? And what does it mean for those all around you? And in that sense, I haven't thought about a game hasn't made me think this way before. Um, I think it's 
you know, I was like I talked about, and I don't want to throw any other game under a bus, but after I finished um, T. Lu Two, I hopped into another game, and then I was immediately like, oh yeah, this is this feels like a video game, whereas T. Lu Two felt more like of a an experience of a um, immersion. You know, it, it was interesting. So as far as like game of the year, I think I'm leaning toward that more than Final Fantasy VII at this point. Um, I'm not like ready to be like this has to be my game of the year until I've played you know games like. Yakuza like a dragon because that'll make me think in probably different kinds of ways if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but I think, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, this is why we love you, Brett. I thought for sure you were going to say cyberpunk, but the fact that you said Yakuza <laughs> makes fun. Give me that Ichiban stuff, and I'm all here for it. Uh, anyway, a phenomenal game, and whether or not I agree with the narrative that Naughty Dog took this in, like, this is what they did. I mean, would I have liked a happily ever after story? Would I like to have Joel to have survived his little tryst against the golf club? There was part of me that was like, well, maybe he's still alive. No, absolutely not. But this is what it is, and maybe that just is a testament to it. It's making me think and feel and having to accept that this is the world if it is, that The Last of Us Part Two is. And, yeah, lots of reflection. Great game. Hmm. Oh man, so Re, yeah, do you want to go last or should I go last? Uh, I'll, I'll go. It may not be quick, but I'll go. Um, go on. Does not, go. Ha- That's why does we not have-, have to be quick. You take as much time as you want. I, I just want to make sure that like you're ready because I'm happy to go if you need more time. I'm if ready. You're ready. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. I I struggled to give a overall thought on this, and I do fully intend to still write a review because I have lots of feelings. <laughs> I have so many feelings and I need to write some of them down, but I can see the merits of this game. I can see what people love about it. I appreciate the catharsis it can offer people. I appreciate the unique perspectives or the unique thought experiments that people have have really explored playing this game. It, it just didn't hit that way for me. It hit like a journey into emotional cutting and it felt really manipulative. It felt very predictable quite honestly in a lot of ways and um there are some amazing performances there's some really great technical feats the gameplay is really really tight and the accessibility options i know we've touched on this in other episodes of the show and and talking with steve sailor blind gamer but it's incredible that pretty much anybody can play this game like and the fact that this has gone on to sell so many copies and that people still have a problem with putting inclusivity and accessibility in their games, like, just goes to show, like, the more people who can play a game, the better. Like, point blank, period. Like, that's always a good choice. It's good sense as far as, like, what's do- by doing what's right for the customer. And it's also good business sense. You'll sell more copies if more people can play your game. So just stop with that argument. It doesn't make sense. But... I didn't enjoy it, and I can't call something a masterpiece or label it a 10 out of 10 if I felt bad after playing it. And I realized that feeling bad doesn't necessarily mean something wasn't quality, Um, especially if the point of it was to make you feel something. For me, it was too much. It was heavy-handed. It was over-labored in... It really, <laughs> poor Shimmer. It beat a dead horse, and Aww. I no Shimmer. I here's, can't laugh at that. I mean, honestly, I, I, mean, I get it. <laughs> like I, these yeah. lessons I've learned, and I know that from real life. And I, I love, I love, love, love that a game can really become more expressive and more expansive and more emotionally resonant for people. And I really, really do appreciate how much that's brought to a lot of folks who've played it. For me, it felt like ground that's already been tread. 
day in and day out, I'm exhausted by the emotional labor I'm going through, seeing what's happening in the real world. And I didn't need this in order to get to the place where the game wanted me to get to at the end of it. And it was overkill. And I didn't, I just straight up wasn't having a good time. (laughs) So it's really tough because they made a really good game. And I can acknowledge that. And, And I think if people want a really good game and they're ready for the the emotional labor it takes to play it, then go for it. You'll probably enjoy it. I didn't. And and that's kind of my final thought. Oh, my God. If there. only I could just, like, say ditto. Because, like, <laughs> I'm so glad that, that you made your thoughts first because, like, you so eloquently articulated so much of what I've been going through and what I've been struggling to articulate about this game. And when I think about, like, my final thoughts and how they echo so much of what you've said, it's not just that, like the world is hard right now. I think your point about them belaboring emotions about things that people are going through, is like they don't necessarily need to belabor that because, yo, we can see it in front of our eyes. It's happening in real time in front of us, these really heavy emotional things. And it was interesting hearing from you, Re, when we were early talking about some of the reviews that came out of like, oh, it's clear that some people who find this more impactful, when specifically talking about some of the white male reviews that are out there, and there's a lot of them, about how they have very similar viewpoints because they clearly haven't gone through some of these traumas and they find it poignant and impactful because they don't know what this trauma looks like. And we're like, yo, we see this trauma as women. We see it a lot more. And you as a woman of color see it even, even more than I do. And I echo that sentiment of yo like it's shit's fucking hard and like i don't need more hard stuff in my life in order for you to like make a statement and i doesn't take away from any of the amazing work as you mentioned thank you again for the shout out for our friend steve like he was great on our show talking about accessibility and when we were doing our game of the year so far discussion with callie with from GameSpot, i said and we'll echo again i think on the work that naughty dog did on accessibility alone should earn them a game of the year mm-hmm. award because Agree. the the idea that they said we're going to make a game that's really fucking hard to play from a stealth perspective mechanics survival horror suspense and then throw the really fucking heavy narrative on top of that we're going to try to make this as accessible as possible they deserve a lot of accolades for that and i'm so glad that they have said we will work with whatever developers want to come to us and learn from what we've done and let's let's try to make this a standard so that everybody can play as many games. That alone to me earns them the game of the year award because I think that there's not enough developers that push that kind of innovation and I think that that's they deserve all of the fucking like pats on the back for that. I think they also deserve lots of pats on the back and awards for what Steimer said, like making us feel something, making us think about something, making us have these conversations. We've never done a spoiler cast. It's got almost three fucking hours, <laughs> right? Like it's this, this is, and we missed so much stuff. Oh, we didn't yeah. talk about the museum. We didn't talk about yes. like a bunch of these flashbacks. So like, yeah, we could have kept talking probably. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. And I think that that is a testament to the phenomenal work that Naughty Dog did. And it, it was so hard for me like when people like wanted to like come at me and attack me for feeling angry, I'm like, no, I get to feel my emotions about this game. It doesn't mean the game is bad. Just like you said, like this is a great game. This is unequivocally, like unarguably, like to not be contested, 
This game is a phenomenal game. The gameplay is tight, as you said. The stealth is phenomenal. The, the atmosphere building is like second to none. The animation is gorgeous. The, as, um, as the review that I mentioned from Polygon, like the, the beautiful places you go to do your murders are so beautiful. <laughs> you know, like it's so true. There's and it's so really, it's Seattle too. Like the fact that the island is just yeah. like fucking Mercer Island. That's, pr- that stuff is really cool. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. There's, there's just, there's a, so much about this game that I absolutely adore and love. And I'm, I'm so glad I've had time to sit with my feelings. But as you said, Rhi, I just, there's so much of it that I just am not okay with. And I want people to play that are ready to play. But I also want to warn people that if you're not ready, take your time. Hopefully I mean, you someday. You warn them at this point. No, but I <laughs> mean, but like, like I said in my tweet, not, yeah, deep, not deep into our spoiler cast. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you're not ready to play yet, don't, don't play. Like, play when you're ready. And even if you haven't played and you're listening to our spoiler cast, you're like, I'm never going to play. Yeah. I would encourage you at some point in your life as, like, required gaming, once you're ready and you're emotionally prepared, play. Because I think that what Naughty Dog has done will forever stand the test of time of a piece of interactive art that showcases what the incredible power, what the incredible medium of video games can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And that's my final thought. There you go. We've all given our final thoughts. We've done the thing. We've played Tilu 2. We did it. I mean, I want to vote for Final Fantasy 7 because damn, I love that honey. Can I vote for Apex again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we missed you today, Re, and I know that people who are listening to the spoiler cast may or may not have seen our convo, but I was like, hope we were going to get to talk about Apex. But we'll talk about <laughs> we'll it. Talk about it later. We'll talk about it. Oh, Don't yeah. worry. We'll have plenty more chances. Yeah. Whew. Mm. Man, this mm. has been a whole thing. So much more we could talk about too. Yeah. I hope this instills conversation in all of you listening and all of you watching. I know that a lot of you are having your conversations in our Discord, in our Facebook fan page, with your friends and family who have played or who have not played to be like, this is a, this is a powerful thing. And all we can do is applaud Naughty Dog for making something powerful that will stick with us and for making something beautiful. And also, like, shout out to all of the actors who did a f- oh. freaking amazing Jesse. job. Mm. Reese, like I'm thirsty. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. What you doing later? Oh, you dead? That's fine. I don't care. Gosh, love it. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of What's Good Games. We'll be back next week with our games of the year so far. Yes, there's more T Lu talk, but don't worry, we don't dive this deep. We keep it very spoiler-free. Just more about mechanics. So if you're like, yo, you didn't talk about gameplay systems, all that, we really talk about that a lot in that conversation. So if you were looking for more of that, that is the place to get that talk. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.